Gifting is hard. This isn't news. But what might be news is that you can now send beer, wine, and spirits right to your friends and family with Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. Save time shopping, save money comparing prices across stores, and spend more time sipping with your gifties. Now that's good news. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple and Better. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Hello, are we lads? It's, uh, it's been less than 24 hours since we last recorded the podcast, so, you know, you would think we wouldn't have much to talk about. Uh, we've also been, what, three or four days since we uploaded the last episode of Spotlight? So again, you would think there would be nothing to talk about, and it turns out we might have the most packed show we've had in a good while. The wrestling gods slash non-wrestling gods, I think, are shining on us this week, JP. Yeah, it's a weird one. We were just saying about it in the pre-show. Basically, it's like a non-wrestling week in some ways, isn't it? Because yeah. all the newsworthy, it's all very newsworthy stuff and less mm. kind of like wrestling. Mm. Which, considering that our bread and butter is star racing, so you, can't, <laughs> you kind of worry about those Sorry, weeks guys. happening too often. But <laughs> this is a natural, this is also a natural kind of follow-on from Mania, isn't mm. it? Like, that's how this kind of feels. It's like, you know, you're... You've, you've, we've had mania, so it's like we were going to have a couple of calm down weeks, weren't we? Can you believe WrestleMania was six, week, was six weeks ago in our Gareth? It's unbelievable, isn't it? Can't know. Uh, the time has flown. <laughs> <laughs> it was last weekend somehow. Like, there's been a whole other weekend since then. It makes no sense. I've lost track of time. Oh, God, it's absolutely bizarre. Like, just when you were talking there, I was feeling like, was that last week? I was just trying to like work out how many days it was since. It just feels like <laughs> forever ago, but it, it's definitely uh, after that, just having a much-needed little break from a mm. little step back from wrestling there. I think I've literally watched Dynamite. I don't think I've watched anything else since mm. since WrestleMania. Which, well, other, yeah, than, think, other, than a, uh, other than the running man, you know, that, I mean, that counts. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, there's, there's that. There's, uh, obviously, that counts as, counts as wrestling. As, uh, everything is wrestling, as I've uh, you know, tweeted, uh, tweeted today. I'm sure there's a, you know, you can apply it to football or anything, in, whether it's uh, oh, Keir Starmer in pubs or anything like that. Everything is wrestling. There's a, oh, he got chucked out that a, pub, didn't he? There's a heel and a face and an angle to be had everywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that clip today. I was gutted JP when I found out. Yeah, it was an anti-mask, and I just thought it was some like some really like some bloke who's like, "Fuck you, you're not you're not the true Labour leader, like a Corbynite or something like that." No, it was an anti-mask, um, so it kind of took the shine off it, but it was still funny. Oh, it's funny, and and these these, these things are going to kind of happen on that. I mean, it's 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 weird because we're kind of we've got an election coming up, haven't we? We've got local Have elections we? coming up. May the 6th. All right. Yeah. That explains why I've got a Labour yeah. poster through my door today. Some bloke called Bill. Exactly. Um, yeah. I always say with this, remember, it's not like you're voting. It's not presidential. You're not voting for the one person. You're voting for the person you think best represents your community. Just so happens the majority of them are going to be Labour. Just <laughs> a little bit of Especially around there. Fucking hell. And no, they're not perfect. Mm. Do you want Tories instead? There's a, there's a question. We got the Tories taken over Liverpool because our fucking mayor was corrupt mm. as fuck. So like they've just stepped in and stepped over. Like Liverpool's gonna be like the running man. It's gonna be like the that, that's our future, Gareth. It's uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to overthrow these just, fucking cunts. 
just just massive screens up next to the liver building there with people chalking up odds for like Joe Anderson as he tries to like leg it down the docks or something <laughs> like that with uh, with like I don't know like Neville Southall going after him with a chainsaw or something <laughs> like that you know. <laughs> I was going to say, who would be the stalkers? Because you'd want like kind of. Liverpool-based celebrities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neville Southall would definitely want to... Eunice, Eunice. 100% Eunice. I'll, I'll put a call in. Stephen French would be on there. He'd, oh. he'd definitely be one of them. Bert Lackey was killing a few people. Lackey was going to be my next show. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> we haven't right even itself, touched Brookside. <laughs> <laughs> you could imagine it, running down the tube tracks, being chased by Purple Lackey. Like... <laughs> And he's got like weights he's chucking at you as well while you're going down there. Train tracks, obviously, because in reference, yeah. Um, <laughs> RIP and it, up it really that, works anyway. itself, doesn't it? Um, this is a, this is a concept idea for a program, God. Yeah. Dylan and Jimmy Corkula's host. I like that. <laughs> he's Richard Dawson, <laughs> yes, yeah. hosting the air, the running man. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you can only do it in your accent. <laughs> Can you do it in the most scouse way of like it's time to start running? La at the end of it, I'd imagine as well. That'd just be awful. It's offensive, JP. You're, you're not happy about that. Oh, I love your I love I your scouse impression. Come on, do it, JP. We talk, we talking in the pre-show. There's been a there was a your favorite area, JP Kirkdale. There was a stabbing today, so you know. I'm not. It's not feeling particularly sacred I'm, today. You can go for it. I'm fast running. No, I can't do it. That's <laughs> <be> terrible. Uh, <laughs> I like Taylor. We'd have to get Tony Bellier. And he occasionally goes in a little bit of scouse, doesn't he? Yeah. When he was sending a threatening, I, I saw this and Chris had wanted to point it out. It was a what appeared to be a threatening message to a failing <laughs> photography student at a local college in Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're going to do your own work if Big Dunk tells you to. Well, it's where the tone of voice goes because he's just like, it's like, all right, mate, Big Dunk here. Do your fucking homework. And you went, Jesus <laughs> Christ, this escalated. Mm. Not to remember that man single-handedly beat up two burglars. He did. I might say. And he probably just wearing nothing more than his pants. <laughs> I beat the shit out of him and they legged it. Well, I was watching um uh, match, you know, they do the match of the day top tens again, like the they've started it again. This it was it got me through lockdown last time. I absolutely love it. And they did like top ten like uh, hard men in football, and you know the obvious were in there. You know your Vinnie Jones of the world. For some reason, Diego Costa was on the list, and even the pundits were like, "I mean, come on, it's Diego Costa. He doesn't count." But Big Dunk made everyone's list, so that made me happy. Um, one, yeah. of the, one of the real tough men. It was funny, like listening to them talk about Vinnie Jones, though, like and remembering, like, like at least Dunk could play. He could head a ball. Yeah. You know, he wasn't particularly skilled, but he could head a ball. Vinnie Jones and like players like that. Like some of the, like Drink the more scummier hard part men. Like he was basically a painter decorator. Like there was no reason he should actually be playing football other than to break people's legs. Don't kind of a bit more Shit faster. Mm. Yeah. When he could be bothered once a month when yeah. he was uh, when, when, when he wasn't injured. <laughs> we don't remember it though, Gareth. He's, a, he's an Everton legend. We haven't got much to, from those nineties periods. We didn't have much to choose from, so you know, uh, we do love Big Dunk. Um, but yeah, I mean, fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, the, the, there's still graffiti around the city that says "Free Big Dunk JP." It's still, it's still up. Uh, <laughs> I'll take you next time you come. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love the way that Stefan Freund things like stood the test of time as well. You still see like on the street markets and things, just yeah. like you know, paint, 
paintings of Dunk with Stefan Freund in a headlock. <laughs> you think like, you're like, that was 20 years ago now and they're still like flogging t-shirts with Dunk grinding in the side headlock there on Stefan Freund. Like. <laughs> Iconic. Is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're the good old days though when football was football, you know, lads. And like now we're apparently like Brit Res football is dead. <laughs> That's something I've heard a lot today. I think people wanted to take takes on it. Yeah, you were saying you were saying in the pre-show, JP, even Joe's not happy, you know. It's uh it's been a it's if wrestling Twitter's like bad, like football Twitter today, it's just been fucking dumpster fire, really. It's been like a funeral. Like I put that Liverpool game on before and it was just like the atmosphere around it, even though it's like you know, it's a it's a game with fake crowd noise and whatever. It just felt drab. The commentators sound depressed. Neville and Carragher sound depressed. It's just it's a bad day. Yeah. Even the fake crowd is phoning it in at this point. Which is a very desperate sign, isn't it? When they're deciding you can't be asked, isn't it? Thunderdome um, levels. Yeah, it is. It's it's absolutely awful. It feels completely inevitable. Like this conversation is something like around European Super Leagues is a thing that I can remember for the last twenty years. Hmm. Certainly, that it always gets brought up. Um, it's. I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan. So, like, the first thing is, is we have no right to be. <laughs> when was the last time you won the league? Like, probably at, when we did. <laughs> oh, no, no, like use, use a more recent, but still, it's like 20 we years ago. We decided to, to do this for the money and the right to finish bottom mm. or second bottom of this league <laughs> and not get relegated. So you don't even have a season league. where you go down and you win a few games and you rebuild and you're like, right, we're fucking back. Mm. Nah. It's just going to be shit. But we're the Central Coast Mariners of this league. Like we're we're generally a team that loses. That's a, that's a bit. Well, not this season. Having a good one. Sorry, but a couple of A League references there. So I've been getting up to on a Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> well, as usual, JP, you got spares there to prop you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. There's you know, they're cheeky yeah. cunts. When was the last time they won it? Yeah. Like, come on, like they're just. They're a team in London that have got a lot of money. Like, somehow that makes them, like, qualify for the Super League. Fucking honestly. Rumour is Amazon are going to buy them for that as well. But Really? And all of these games, yeah, that, that's been a rumour that's kind of, that's that's gone around. And I don't like, I mean, people said it because of the documentary, so God knows how much you read, read into that. But um, in, in terms of, like, if you look at the amount of debts that these clubs have, it's, mm. it's completely the reason why they're doing it. It's just that, it completely misses the point of football because we were saying this last last night because this stuff was kind of breaking as we were recording that um, it, the idea that um, like people like the group games of a Champions League stage so much that they want to see a league full of that. <laughs> and a lot of these games will be played in, let's just say, emerging Eastern markets because that's where they're going to be doing and the US. So it is that pre-season game you see being played in Singapore in front of 80,000 screaming fans as Everton and Leicester draw 1-1 and have to go a penalty shootout and no one looks like they give a shit because mm. they've lost their fucking body weight in sweat as well at the same time because they're, they're playing football at, at times of the year where it shouldn't be happening in order to make a few quid. <laughs> it's They're all awful. Like The whole thing's a shower of shit and it's all about power and control I have to say it's those NFL owners that are within the league um, or like the, the kind of American sport owners who view, don't view them as teams. They view them as franchises and yeah, therefore you can do what you want with the franchise. Mm. And they don't realise that these things are like have that, that deeper kind of connection to cities. And 
you know, we're talking about Marine in the pre-show and about like where that kind of name comes from and all the various stuff about clubs setting up in like the eight late 1900s. And they don't give a shit. Mm. Tradition and history. Um, yeah. yeah, it is. It's like there that, isn't it? It's like like it. It always seems so foreign. Like when you know when, when American teams just it's like you know what? And Gareth can speak to this. Yeah, we're moving to LA now. Oh yeah, actually we're going to move here now, and it's just kind of this kickoff. But it seems like it's kind of accepted as part of the culture. Like and then you know that happens over here with like MK Doms and Wimbledon, and we and you know the, you saw the kickoff there. That's still still alive to this day. But like something like this, like this is just it's so foreign, like to 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 the way things have always been. It's just absolutely crazy, isn't it? Oh yeah, and, and like you can just like that's that's just definitely you can see that just been the end goal, can't you? That it's that. Like if you know, if at the end of the day their supporter base actually becomes ninety nine percent people, just global TV audience who are just watching in America and Australia and Japan and China and India and things like that, then who cares if there's you know fucking thirty thousand scousers that they can't complain that they can't go to the match anymore and things like that, you know? So it's just a, just a just a problem that you can just get rid of by oh actually now this is the World Super League and we play out in New York now or something mm. you know, like that. It's, and and someone's going to pay us a hundred billion pounds for the privilege of you know moving ourselves from from Liverpool to there then like that's the uh, that's that's the future isn't it that's yeah the, so somebody uh, crunched, the crunched the numbers because like the guaranteed fee like they're getting like from this is like five times what you'd get if you won the premier league and the champions league in the same season and that's just yeah. by joining the league so you can see yeah. why it's happening i mean i want you all to fuck off to be honest everton might have a chance then oh, well actually stevie Moyes and west ham might have a chance but like i'm quite happy <laughs> if you all fuck off but yeah it, i mean one thing that like that has struck me about it though is like and i, I have seen people point it out today like Let's not pretend like UEFA and FIFA and the existing clubs and stuff are the good guys either. Like it's like you know, money room football a long time ago. Like you yeah, guys yeah. and you know, you know, a couple of years older than me. But like I, I even I remember like the kickoff, even when the Premier League formed. You know, and I have found it a little bit like. Don't get me wrong, like Neville and Carragher and that have been brilliant. Like, and it's it's good somebody's saying something, especially people in the position they're in. But you can't help but look at it and go, yeah, but Sky are going to bid for all this, aren't they, anyway? Like, at the end of the day, for all the kickoff, Sky will still show yeah. it. BT will still show it. Like, money's been ruining footy for, you know, as long as any of us have been born, pretty much. And the yeah. zone are heavily interested. Mm. And I don't know anyone who has the zone. I don't mm. know a single person. Mm. I don't, can you get it in the UK? I don't think you can, can you? Um, I don't watch Sally. That's where you uh, watch Canelo. Get it on the JP Nation. <laughs> we need Liam in the chat to tell us about this. He'll 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 know for that one. But yeah, it's on the it's so it, it's just going to be this like effective Harlem Globetrotter stuff mm. touring football. Mm. I think Sky already know that they're not getting a slice of that pie because, like, otherwise, otherwise they wouldn't be, you know, kicking off in, in this way. You know, mm. if you know, God, if it was if it was on Sky, would be there with fucking simple minds playing in the background, and we'd be alive and kicking again, wouldn't we, with the uh, European, uh, you know, European Super League or whatever? But it's just. I don't know. I've just found it. It's just been so inevitable for so long. You know, it's been something that's been muted for such a long time. Things like that, and even like when like the Barcelona president Bartomeu, when he retired, when he resigned in October, like in his part in press conference, he said, "Oh yeah, yesterday we signed to be part of a European Super League." And I don't know how much that was picked up in England or not. You know, but it was 
you know, obviously, you know, I'm like into my Spanish footy and listen to the podcast and that. It was like a big deal at the at the at the time of that. So I've just been like almost oh, it's a matter of time. It's coming, you know, and it's it just. I think I'm. I just feel so detached from from it at, the, at this stage that I'm just like. <sighs> Like, um, surprise, surprise, these, you know, multi-billionaire businessmen who are all, you know, businesses are all just based around, you know, having wads of cash or, you know, financial mod- investment models and things like that. Surprise, surprise, they want to try and make, like, more money. Like, who knew? Who would have thought it kind of thing? And I don't know, I think, like you say, Ben, like, obviously the Premier League stuff was, you know, when that happened in whatever, 1992, when it was essentially the big five then and Everton were part of that, you know, mostly, you know, creating the Premier League and resigning from the Football League and stuff. That was a, that was a, that was a big deal at the time. And that was just stage one. And I, I, I think that, that that's the thing that I've just found today is all the, oh, the soul of football's gone and all this. Well, you know, it hasn't. Is this your line in the sun today? Like, okay, so let's forget about like, you know, you know, Abu Dhabi billions and, you know, Qatari people buying in and yeah. sky money and et cetera, et cetera, everything that's happened for the last Gosh, 30 years. Not. Exactly. I don't, I don't think there's, a, I don't think football's had some soul since I was about five years old or something, something like that, really. So it just feels a bit like, uh, like, like get over it really honestly if you think you've been supporting some like club in some league that's entirely moral and wholesome and it's all like part of the great football you know old Etonians or whatever old Corinthians tradition and, and all whatever you you know like you're fucking deluding yourself you know it's it's been about money for a long time and it's probably that Boris that's Green a vegan mate <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just like you know it's to me it's just for, you know, it's been dead from that point of view for so long that you know how disengaged I am. I don't even like Liverpool playing Real Madrid last week. I don't even care. I'd rather sit on here fucking recording a podcast, you know, talking about you know whatever, just talking about some some bullshit. And this just is that kind of extra extra nudge along the way to just like caring even even less and less. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a it's just like whatever I, you know it's it's bullshit i'm fucking pissed off with it all and stuff like that but it's just like just washed over me to me it just feels like yeah of course it of course it's fucking happening because that's yeah. that, that's sport and money isn't it at the end of the day mm. like will's asked there gareth like is this any similar to like following like uh rugby league when super the super league was launched there's like is that is that an, an equivalent not obviously on a much smaller scale because no scale because no one cares about rugby but like on that like, <laughs> sorry no it's like entirely um that when this is like something where it's like oh yeah there's billions of dollars involved and it's like you know trying to create this glamorous you know big european league and it's like built on you know sound business sense or, or you know whatever from a tv deals or tv rights perspective and the, the money that's washing up when that uh, when that super league um, situation was happening it was like hang about <laughs> it's fucking rugby league mate with the uh, with the m62 and there's <laughs> you're trying to like re- regenerate a whole sport based on about like 500 grand or something like that you know selling out the whole sport to sky mm. merging every club under the sun like oh god like uh, i mean with that that just you know that definitely like you know to be fair it did kill it a bit for me with like rugby league like you know my team working we were in the we were in the the top division at that time and they were on about like merging us with three other teams in cumbria and just becoming known as cumbria well it's like a fucking hour and a half drive from working to barrow who were like one of the teams who were due to be involved like 
you know, living in Liverpool, you know, you can get to Birmingham in a fucking hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> sort of things. So it was, you know, ridiculous. Just thinking, like, oh yeah, let's. Oh, these are all in Cumbria, the second county, second biggest county in Britain. Let's just throw a blanket over them and make them one. And at least, um, at least none of that's been um, muted in football yet. Mm-hmm. You never know, Benno. You might be getting um, in ten years, twenty years time. You might be getting swallowed up to become part of Liverpool once again. And, uh, <laughs> and so, Liverpool, Liverton. <laughs> I used to do those teams in the Echo, and yeah, I think they still do it, don't they? Like the the Everton slash Liverpool eleven. I used to enjoy that purple kit. Um, there's already an FC United or the Liverpool or whatever the fuck they're called. Um, <laughs> City Liverpool FC, the that's up, it, isn't it? City Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. The, the other split I heard it compared to, and it was Andy Ogden in one of the uh, one of the chats. Um, I'd, I'd seen him mention it. it was the the dart split between mm. the PDC and the BDO, mm. um, and the BDO is basically gone now completely like kind of defunct very old-fashioned and it, it was barry hearn and he got the one to sky and that's like kind of a phenomenon in its own right i don't think this is going to happen here mm. all i'll say about this european super league is i'm incredibly skeptical that it will happen i think there's very much power play stuff i thought that i believe it a bit it's more about- today the fact that like TV rights owning the rights to that and then mm. it might be a case where you watch all liverpool games on amazon for example, and you buy the Liverpool package and stuff like it. It's getting into that kind of micromanagement of the consumer and being able to control that and, and mm. control those kind of rights fees. I find it interesting. It was also mentioned in the chat there as well, like a Disney Plus getting involved. Mm. Like that's the kind of stuff. Weirdly, this all kind of links into wrestling and the kind of streaming networks and their content and stuff like this. Like this is the reason why it's being created is it's just content to buy. I mean, if Roku are going to go out and get in New Japan, for fuck's sakes, like they're going to be, you know, they're going to be killing themselves to show like Real Madrid versus Manchester United. Mm. It's just that no one really wants to see it. And you wouldn't trust a single person. Have you heard anyone say this is a good idea? Not one, I don't think. I must admit, I, I, I was scouring Twitter and Facebook earlier, and there are people out there who are like right. genuinely excited about it. And, you know, you look and, you know, they're. I suppose in you know, principle I, I, they're not right though, are they? If it was done they're right, not, though, they're not, they're if, right then they're not the, right. If the Champions League like sat above the Premier League and there was like relegation and you know promotion and stuff and there was like the short I then years ago I, I probably would have said, Oh, that sounds kind of exciting in a way. Um it's more the way they've done it, isn't it? That even like those people you lose. But yeah, I suppose you are right. You're always gonna find it. You can find dopey Twitter accounts who think, you know, Seth Rollins is right and WWE is great. So, you know, there are gonna Mate, be you find you're, you're like Me and the, <laughs> You really are. To, to, and, and to be honest, this just feel this feels like parallels with wrestling. You know, yeah. as I've been like watching this and following this story, it just feels very much like Vince McMahon steamrolling over the territories or NXT emerging on the scene and like killing the Indies off or something. You know, something like that. It feels very much that power play at the top. That's you know just mm. you know the rest of sport falling away. But I mean. I agree with you. Like JP, you know, the more I was looking into this, and I was thinking, like, you know, the Premier League TV rights for 2022 to 2025 are coming up in the next couple of months, and like all this fucking bravado about we're going to kick them out of the league and things like mm. that. Are you fuck going to kick Liverpool, Man Double United, points. Chelsea, Manchester City out of the league in the year that the TV oh, rights are coming up for the Premier League? Premier League, like you know, the, the do you think like do you think the billionaire foreign owners of Everton and Aston Villa and Leicester and Southampton and you know literally every club in the Premier League is basically 
got some billionaire foreign owner. Do you think they're going to want to take like one tenth of the TV rights that they could have had if if all those teams were included and go like, yes, we're going to take the moral high ground, kick them all out. Let's uh, let's only <laughs> let's get one million for the Premier League B, um, TV deal instead of five. Are they fucked? It's just all a big. Uh, it's you know just like you say, big power play, JP, all around money, and whether it's the European Super League or they go with this new Champions League model, it's just about them. 10, 11 teams at the top just going like, no, actually, we just want a bigger slice of all this money and everyone's going to go, oh, go on then, you can have it because we want to make sure that we protect this TV rights money here and there. And like, that's the only way I see it it going at the the end of the day. It's just going to be, it's just a bit of a fucking Mexican standoff at the moment, isn't it? And it'll all come to wash. The, The clubs will get more money. No one will get fucked off from UEFA or the Premier League or anything like that. And, you know, We'll we'll go around in circles for another ten years till they try it again when they want a bit more cash. Mm. And people going on about those bigger clubs like PSG, Bayern Munich, not include. Mm. As Ted DiBiase said, um, every man has a price. <laughs> I'm not going to include the other thing that I nearly said that he uh, he said once because that is genuinely lively. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference there, to patrons. <laughs> Oh fuck! I'm gonna leave that there. Uh, but yeah, it is. It, it does feel very wrestling. It's it's content, isn't it? Everything. Yeah. I was listening to that Nick Khan on like a podcast today, just because I've heard I heard the voices of wrestling lads talking about it. It's like we're we're not a wrestling company. We're an entertainment company. In fact, we're we're not even that. We're a content provider. It's the world, isn't it? It's it's what it's what football is. It's it's not sacred. It is what it is. Was that was, was that the Colin Coward one? Yeah, that one. Did you listen to that? I listened to it like last week. What like what did you make of it? Because I I've, I haven't listened to voices this week actually, and um, I felt like at the time it was getting like bigged up quite a lot on Twitter. And then like when when I listened to it, I was thinking like all right, all right, is a is a good businessman when it comes to the TV deals and stuff. But the wrestling side of things, I, I just thought like mm-hmm. he hasn't got a fucking clue, and like, it just it, it it didn't give me I don't know it didn't it give me. I was looking at him and I was thinking, yeah, when when TV rights are up and things, he can bring the money in. But he mm-hmm. didn't sound like somebody who was going to be part of some grand movement to, you know, turn the wrestling business, you know, side, you know, side of it round. It, it just started sounded like he'd just been fed a load of stuff from Vincent Bruce and um, oh, what's he what's he called the fucking TV producer guy, um, Kevin Dunn. Uh, Kevin Dunn, and it just it was just all it was just repeating lines that you just hear from that. How great the production values are and all this. That's what sets us apart and all this. I was just thinking like, yeah, I was. Fucking hell, he does, he what's up? What's up? I said, have they seen the editing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, he did oh, say yeah. that. He he literally says, "Like, I'll put our production up against anyone in the world." It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, like, I wondered if I was listening to the right interview. To be honest, because I did kind of have that feeling of, "I come." He comes across very confident, and like you can understand why he's got the job. And you know, as you know, from a business point of view, I can I can imagine him impressing a room full of suits. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, that was the thing. He didn't even want to take much credit for stuff. Did he? he was still like, well. Vince is still in charge, so you know. Anytime, anytime, like uh, the interviewer tried to put over that, like he was, like he was running W. He's like, no, no, no. Vince still runs it, but he's still using, like you say, he's using, like that quote, he's using all the buzzwords, still using sports entertainment and talking about, yeah, or 
pretty much it could be Vince to be honest with like a, a hand up his arse as a as a puppet <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I did think I mean I did think he came across well, but you know uh, I took it with a pinch of salt. And I, if anything, I was maybe a little bit impressed that he could carry a conversation about like heel turns and baby faces and things of that nature. I wouldn't have imagined he was even in any way involved in in that side of the product. I thought I would have thought he'd just be completely hands off and just handling the money and stuff. Um, I think he's just a bullshitter, isn't he? Like anyone in in a big job like that, like that's he, what it is. He, he, he reminded me. He remind, when when I was listening to him, that's what he just reminded me of. I was thinking, I've sat in so many fucking <laughs> meetings with people like you, where like uh, anyone with a good like, suntan. Listen, <laughs> just listen to the crap coming out of his mouth. I was just thinking, yeah, no, he didn't uh, like because because I think I'd I'd heard you know, so much positivity about it that I was thinking like, oh God, is there actually some guy there who's got his like finger on the pulse to some degree that is going to steer that WWE ship in the right direction, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, listen to it. I was just left like, no, no, this is just somebody else who's just going to do his job and get trampled under the McMahon path um, further <laughs> down the line and probably disappear in about three or four years when he gets pissed off, not being able to do what he wants to do. And, you know, yeah, and he'll, roll he'll on get, the next guy. And we won't cry for him. He'll, he'll get a great exit. Uh, plan and you'll get all kinds of money from it and yeah it'll work out for him sorry JP I was like look at George Barrios mm-hmm. how long was he there for and who's the mm-hmm. other person who was there Nicole, um, uh, Nicole Wilson Michelle Wilson yeah Michelle Wilson like the kind of long term execs they were just gone mm-hmm. and out the door I expect Nick Khan to be there for two years I think he's got his big bonus mm-hmm. I think that he got him the Peacock deal that was the job he was there to do and mm-hmm. he's delivered on that and I don't know what else there is unless he was going to help negotiate the sale of the company outright or, or a whole lot of shares. So I did wonder about that. Minority shareholder. Mm. It's the thing that they've got left, isn't it? He got asked about that. I mean, and he, he, he proper like he he just he was just like so. Why doesn't Vince says? Oh, Vince is a workaholic. What else would he do? And I was like, hmm. I I think that's the next big thing. I think they're getting ready for a big sale. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You wonder at that point what happened to the stock price if McMahon went. The bit no, okay. where he's like kind of you know he, he's so he, he whatever like wall street views the futures of the company entirely related to basically his health and and, and well-being isn't mm-hmm. it so if something happens there and I'm, i only bring this up because every time i see him or see some footage of him like he did the thing with pat mcafee mm-hmm. he looks awful like he really looks like a shell of himself and he doesn't look like someone who's well mm-hmm. just full stop just doesn't look well and less resembles a human being in like the kind of minute. It's 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 quite terrifying to see. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I was going to say. You mentioned about sorry about the what? Uh, they were going to go to Mexico. Oh yeah, that's, still... that's something that came up, and they talked a bit about like I don't know, just the future of the company and stuff, and about like you know running the running the company, you know, in a pandemic, and you know, getting fans back. A lot of it was fluff really um i thought like i, I don't know i don't know if i i think i'm kind of the same as you guys i didn't take anything anything major you know from it like in that regard if anything i just yeah kind of just looked at it as like yeah this is a this is a company that are doing really fucking well right now from a business point of view i suppose in a way you know it was depressing because you listen anytime even when you hear george barrios and michelle wilson talk again similar to the super league story you realize the in-ring doesn't matter our moaning on twitter 
because he outright says, I don't listen to Twitter, <laughs> which was a very Vince McMahon line. He's like, you know, that's a very small percentage of the uh, of the fan base. I listen to the, when we've got them, the the crowds in the seats and the roar of the, you know, the arenas and all of that bullshit. And it just made me realize, like, it is like football. It's a content business. People are going to be willing to pay for the content. What happens week to week? doesn't really matter in any way um, and you see that in the product too and you know someone smart like him must see the TV ratings slipping over time but you know like any business fan like that you know he's gonna he'll be gone by the time that becomes a real problem anyway um, so he probably doesn't yeah, care anyway yeah. like that they were my main takeaways yeah but look at looking after looking after number one but yeah that whole thing about like not listening to the fans on twitter and it been a small percentage and like but then when you listen to him talk about wrestling and like i say the things that he was mentioning that it was just so clearly just came from within that internal little circle that little bubble within the business of like this is what wrestling is this is how this is what good wrestling production is this is you know you know this is the way we present things this is how the, the wwe way and all this and you were just thinking like yeah all right don't listen to the people out there talking just keep listening to everybody in your little bubble in your little circle internally there and just keep watching that share price nose diving those tv ratings nose diving okay you've got your you've got your short-term spikes there with you know you've been able to sell the farm to um yeah to peacock there you know get rid of the, the network and get that boost you had obviously the the tv ratings that um have, have meant that you could do that deal that you did previously as, as, as well but this I don't know. I don't see the longevity in it personally. I think they're going to get to a point probably around about these next TV deals, especially when, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully AW continue on this trajectory and um, suddenly actually there's going to be more value in the demo for the the AW audience from an, an advertising point of view and then now actually having a benchmark for people to compare TV deals against, you know, if you're a TV company, you'd be going on about, Mm-hmm. They're doing they're they're doing better numbers are the same as you and they, and they're only getting paid X for their TV time and you want fucking ten times that for your product like no why kind of thing and yeah, I think having that competitive competitor and that benchmark I think it's just going to like realign things in the in, in the marketplace and I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know I'd like to think there's a nice sting in the tail coming for them when it, uh, when the uh, TV TV rights roll around again next time. I've been holding on to that thought for so long. I'm sure <laughs> I've mentioned over like the last five years or so, mm. just about like my deep, like kind of hope of the death of WWE, <laughs> which I'll probably end up mourning it once it's gone. But like, I think that you look at this and it's something we're going to go on to as well. When it comes to the kind of promotion and everything else about the WWE product, it doesn't seem cool. When it comes to these kind of next set of TV deals, those ratings are trending downwards and just in comparison to AEW, which seems so much more vibrant. If, if the trajectory is there and obviously we're only talking to week one of the TV ratings when we get into that of like unopposed, but they look like a very tasty, tasty proposition. Well, by the time that value happens, for money, yeah. Well, by the time that happens, Vince will have fucked off to the uh, the Super League. He'll be running Newcastle. You know, it's been rumored for years, and it'll all be fine. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's really <where> Lander. <laughs> that's how he'll spend his days. Uh, Andy, Car- and Andy, Car- Andy Carroll taking on Drew McIntyre in NXT UK or something like that. That'll be. <laughs> That's the future. Ponytail versus ponytail on a pole match or something. That's the dream. <laughs> 
Uh, apparently, as well, Sky have just released a statement saying they've not been involved in any discussions for the TV rights for Super League. Well, right, okay. They will be, though. Oh, they've been... And that's, why they're, and that's why they're not happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you're right there. Uh, I, mean, I mean, you only have to look at things with the WWE, don't you? And obviously, the you know, as you referenced there, there's a shift towards streaming and things like that, you, you know, and obviously the, the way that you know visual consumptions go and it's you know if this is the next step that they're trying to do this european super league it seems illogical that they would go to you know a satellite television package they're going to want some you know it is it's going to be some global streaming platform possibly even their own uh, you know solo own streaming platform isn't it that they're gonna you know that's where if they can just set it up and just milk the money straight back to themselves directly and obviously it's a much bigger audience and likely to generate more money than like the wwe network or something like that this probably can succeed as a standalone where a wrestling one you know doesn't so um yeah, and if, uh, if if Sky get left out on their ass, even better. What a, <laughs> that's like almost like seeing a two fingers up to fucking WWE. You know, WWE seeing seeing Sky get bit on the ass is like is like the one pleasurable, you know, possibility that might come out of this. Yeah, but it could end up. Triller. Maybe they'll buy it. Maybe that's what it'll be. They'll buy the rights. Well, <laughs> it'll be a little... lively affair regardless <laughs> then in that case, won't it? Uh, you know, they could, uh, like like Chris has said in the chat, if they got the Super League, you know, they could uh, you know, slap fights for kickoff instead of a coin toss. You know, Tr- Triller's the new player. That's, that's the business now. It's it's not, we're out of the network days now. We're into uh, selling off to big companies like this with Snoop Dogg funding it. And <laughs> like, that's the... Uh, <laughs> That's the future, isn't it? Is it not? Like, yeah, fucking hell. Oh. I've got an image of, of Martin Tyler doing the commentary for like the first European like Super League game. Mm. And we are caned, like, as that's <laughs> at the fucking desk. Because that's not a sight I've ever seen on mm. any kind of sports commentary in my entire life. <laughs> Two people skinning up on a five man panel. It seems somewhat impressive. <laughs> There's only three of us here, though, JP. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was a, a sight. Did you? Did you? I assume you didn't stay up and watch, trail, watch the uh, the Triller Fight Club, JP. Have you uh, watched it since then? I so I watched a lot of it in the morning, and I watched a lot of it with my sons. Oh, um, sure, watched again. It. I think I, you need that's I, something you need to watch. Caned and live, like you do. You do. Need <laughs> I was gutted. It. I didn't slap fighter. I was gutted. I was up and everything, and I just I don't know. I couldn't find a good stream for it. I couldn't justify the twenty quid, and then I saw the tweets, and I was like, I wish I was part of this. And I watched it on replay the day after. It just wasn't the same, but it was still still fucking hilarious. <laughs> but did the lads enjoy it? They did. Um, cause I showed them like, they were watching like the beginning bits mm-hmm. as well. And they were like, it's, it's Pete Davidson getting, um, getting Kane. And it's like, yeah, it pretty much looks like it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm watching about Snoop and just like, he is 24 seven. That's just what he does. It was, it was, so they watched that. There was the Jake Paul fight, which I just thought he was a stoke. He was going to win because mm-hmm. Ben Askren was in awful shape. Was yeah. thinking of the half a million he got for it for like the minutes long work. Yeah. He put no effort in. He doesn't, care like this is a guy who's gone into retirement now and as you know gareth said he like he doesn't he never cared about him when he was like in his prime there but it was i just looked at this and just went he's just there for the little bit of legitimacy that he kind of gives jake paul for it and it did 1.4 million buys like this is the future yep yep and I think so. And I think there's like a few things that's really interesting about this, like all kind of joking aside, like the wackiness, which we'll go into. 
it's, it's a complete variety show, but it's not aimed at sports fans. It becomes this very interesting hybrid of these big musical acts because it's Snoop and he can get them in and he carries a kind of cultural cachet where people want to be on these shows and it looks crazy and they're not always going to be as big as these but just the concept behind it of like you're going to spend a Saturday night in it's going to be fucking wild I was watching this going he needs to put a wrestling match on here like that's what he needs to do is he needs to add that onto there and the first thing like your Carl's kind of thing is what kind of wrestling would work and it's like well not really my cup of tea, but deathmatch wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, well, Nick Gage, Nick Gage against two. And you thought, well, if you had him and Moxley on there, that'd be like, oh, that's like, what that take place. Him, Gage versus Arquette, too. Oh, yes. Like, is the thing that I think may well kind of fit into that. And it's shocking. That I don't know whether Arquette would be really up for it because he'd have to give that some deep thought beforehand because that first match, like, fucking hell. <laughs> that was traumatizing. Ah, he got a movie out of it. What's he complaining about? You know, he got a documentary, so whatever. Uh, <laughs> Jacob Triller making moves, you know? It's <laughs> that could work. I got, yeah, not one would surprise me at this point, you know? Like, uh, so, Brock. Yeah, Chris Elliott mentioned the chat there. Yeah, that could be Brock's next big contract. Just a contract with Triller doing freak fights. Freak show fights work. Like, it's funny. It like, is. People, sorry to the people in the chat, mainly will, but like people pretend Brock boxing's interesting. It isn't. The only boxing that's interesting is stuff like this. It's the stuff that sells now. I honestly feel like fucking how many how many decades of the the sport being corrupt and pretty fucking boring to watch. Sorry again. Like <laughs> I've come back to haunt it, and now this is the stuff that sells. Am I wrong, JP? Am I wrong? I'm I'm a fan of boxing, and I kind of always have been for this. Or like, it's a well weird thing it? to see. <laughs> as a sport doing well boxing it kind of is That's in a lot of ways it is like with the with Hearn and, and everybody else in there and there's mm. like, like lots of kind of big fights that do kind of sell in the rest of it but the freaks there is a place freak for the freak show stuff Pride in Japan yeah. kind of used some of the freak show stuff Bob what was Bob Sapp there for mm. like he was scared of spiders and he had a fucking wild match with Hernando Hoost mm. like you know it's the, even putting like all the wrestlers, they were just all the freak show stuff. And that mm. stuff kind of drew mm. for MMA companies, not for New Japan, obviously. <laughs> Hence, no kids. But like, it's it's something here where it felt if like, and it was the thing like I listened to Dave Meltzer talking about this, and mm. all I could think is he just doesn't get this. He's reviewing this as if he's watching fucking Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum, and it's a night of athletic contest. <laughs> it's like no. I've just been like staring at Doja Cat for the last 15 minutes and <laughs> Justin Bieber's on there. And then Ric Flair's doing a slap fight while Pete Pete Davidson sits in a fucking forklift truck behind them mm. with no referee. And that Hawaiian bloke, my God, he was letting loose with the fucking I, chat. I had a great time watching that. I, I, I watched this the morning after, like I said, and like it was, to be honest, the four and a half hour pay-per-view was done in like half an hour. Because like, like it was like, I watched the slap fight. I watched the minute and a half main event. I watched the rap performances because I'm me and I had to watch them. I didn't need to see anything else on the show. So I was done. But I'll be honest, the start, I was 
that was the bit where I genuinely almost even bought it earlier on the day when I saw there was going to be slap fighting and I saw the crazy Hawaiian was going to be on there after his fantastic commentary performance with Matt Striker and Vampira where he just kept disappearing every 20 minutes for a mysterious reason that was never explained. <laughs> he just kept going off camera. <laughs> Don't know what he was doing in his house. Um, but he's a le- I love that bloke. He's a legend. He was great. I-, I saw people on Twitter before I watched it saying it looked like it was a work. I mean, they all look like they're a work. <laughs> like, we're not 100% sure whether it's a, whether it's a shoot or not to be honest um I, it didn't look any more of a work wrestling if, if it is a work on a higher level slap yeah. for you if it is a work it, it, you know kudos to them because we're buying into it and to be honest it's smart yeah make it a work but um yeah i thought um you think dumpling and zales were doing a bit of good good brother stuff afterwards <laughs> oh they weren't impressed you, you know there's politicking going on backstage at a uh, at slap strike that uh that the crazy hawaiians getting this payday against whoever it was he was fighting oh, he, was, okay. he was the bloke he was fighting because he was a little he was he was flinching flair was giving him grief pete davidson was yeah. giving him grief um he got knocked the fuck out though so we, we got that out of it that was so surreal just seeing so rick flair and apparently snoop dogg's a big fan <laughs> Apparently, the the first one, because I think that was on Triller as well as on Fight, I'm pretty sure it was, and like Snoop Dogg apparently got caned at home and watched it and loved it. So he must have been tweeting along oh, with the rest yeah. of us. He was having a hell of a time, because uh, apparently he's a big <laughs> fan of uh, the slap fights now. What a great addition to a card, though. <laughs> well, and I think this is it as well as like when you, you've got people looking at things like this and they're just, you know, they're almost like treating it in a, like purest way almost thinking of it from a sporting you know sporting point of view and things but you know it really and looking at those pay-per-view buys and things and you know treating it in that in, in that way but it's it's just not is it it's just a t- it's it's a totally different audience it's it's a totally different generation of people and you know coming up and you know, having that association with like jake paul and you know how he's grew himself as a brand and things like that as well like it's not like it's you know my dad lining up to sit down on a Saturday night and watch some fucking pure boxing <laughs> boxing fight or something like that, is it? You know, it's just uh, it's just you know kids at home sat getting fucking cane and just having a laugh with the mates and things watching this. And it's, that was it's, the it's, it, 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 it's, it's not pure, you know. It's not it, it, it's it's not that sporting purity. It's just a you know, mm. well, you know. I suppose it's that variety show almost to some extent that people yeah. try and claim that wrestling is. You know, with the, you know with the, the you know the different styles of um, styles of character and styles of match and things like that. I don't know. Just does make you wonder when you like look at this and the success of something like this. And then obviously you've got like, you know, a week ago we're talking about WrestleMania and like I'm moaning about fucking Bad Bunny and I'm not like putting over Damian Priest properly and this guy getting all the offense in. And actually you think like, no, you know, maybe they're just leaning further over to to, to that neck of the woods because they've seen the money that the likes of this can can generate and maybe we've just got a bit more of that in in, in WWE especially with like Logan Paul getting brought in as well maybe it's maybe they are you know they are learning and maybe they are like you know looking at where the money's going and thinking actually yeah fuck the uh, fuck the purity of um, yeah, who cares about like match quality or who cares about um, long-term storytelling let's just get these uh, get these lads in and pop a number and, you know, maybe sell a few uh, Peacock subscriptions on the back of it and get a few more Doshin, you know. Logan Paul's apparently fighting Floyd Mayweather next. <laughs> I know. I'll I watch know. that. Is that on Trill, yeah? I'll watch that. I, I, you will. Probably. I'll buy it this time. I've got to. <laughs> yeah. All hosted by a bloke from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I'm not like any of this stuff, by the way, is good. Like, I mean, I some of the musical 
This is all good. But there is there is just something about the presentation of it because it's so off the wall. Mm. And it is it just feels like, all right, generationally, this is somewhat of a fucking shift for me because I've seen Al Bernstein do boxing commentary before. Mm. I've not seen it while he's doing it lashed with a fucking blunt in his hand. Mm. Like that seemed like a bit bit extreme for him. But at the same time, like, you know, it, it's a whole different presentation and it's it's a young audience. And I watch this, I watch that stuff for my son. And I have to mention the robot or the actor in the robot costume behind Jake Paul that was there. <laughs> he's talking about dedicating like, to his dead bodyguard or something like that. <laughs> he was doing a fucking dance in the background <laughs> while he was dedicated to Shadow. His the dead bodyguard. <laughs> that was the moment like, when I wished I'd watch it live. <laughs> even when he came out and my son was like, what the fuck is this? Why has he got a robot with him and he's coming out to MIA's paper planes? It's just like, this makes no sense. And I was like, it's not meant to. Everyone's off their tits. And they're in a massive stadium in Atlanta and they're just sort of fuck it. Like anything goes. Yeah. They'll do they'll do other ones of these. Next one's Evander Holofield versus Kevin McBride, mm. famous for once being Mike Tyson. I don't know who wants to watch that. <laughs> Me. I'll find myself watching it. Yeah, yeah, was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you I'm, see I'm any of the guys? Yeah, I, I just threw that, that that fight on at the start when we were watching it. It's like fucking, it is what it is, isn't it? Like you say, it's it's, it's you're watching it here whilst you're recording a podcast with the sound down. It's not the same experience as um, as um, having a few and watching it live and and, and things like that. But it, it, you know, you know, fucking yeah, is is what it is. I'm just laughing. I'm just looking here at. Uh, Jake Paul's Instagram page, just a photo of him on his uh, front lawn, just with a fucking loads and loads of cash, just like holding it up, just like, you know, it's only like 1.5 million pay-per-view by $75 million generated, just big smile on his face, holding lots of cash, and you're just like, oh, what a heel. Well, holding it up like he's a Japanese man in a forest, yeah, lovely. Yeah, um, that was the brother. Was oh, was it? Oh, I, I feel bad now. <laughs> oh, trust me, there was people who came out with like allegations. Oh, he's done worse, Annie, because fucking what's his yeah. name, Pete Davidson, literally on the show was like, so about your rape allegations? <laughs> fucking oh. Christ! Yeah, that, that's the level of uh, quality control. His, his lawyer didn't look impressed up behind him. I, I enjoyed how little Pete Davidson kind of, he was into it, but how little of fuck he gave about what he was saying. Because he started off immediately making basically jokes about like people wanting to have sex with his mum. Mm. And I was just like, all right, this is, we, we've moved away from, people complain about Mauro Ronaldo being a bit over the top on a, <laughs> like boxing or wrestling. It was like, oh, this is taken up to a whole new level. But yeah, I think, I think it'll end up with wrestling on it. Like, does this stuff work long term? freaks how far can you go with this there are a lot of celebrities to work through so i think there may be a little bit more mileage in this just yet mm. and we'll end up with a british version and as i said before celebrity slap fighting itv1 with um hour-long extra show on itv4 <laughs> sounds pretty watchable to me um but yeah again next 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 time there's one throw a couple of slap fights on it throw a death match on the undercard and you'll you'll have me staying up live and um, blame the uh, the wrestlemania weekend hangover as to, to why i didn't and I, I do regret it um but yeah that's that's the future of pay-per-view it seems and you know we support it triller being uh, the overlords to our overlords so you know uh, keep it up lads <laughs> doing, a great, doing a great job uh <laughs> 
<laughs> Keep sending those fight codes, please. Yeah. Well, before we get into our big stories, and that was quite a quite a, a I suppose it was an intro segment, but it was kind of like we covered a couple of interesting news notes as well. Uh, just a quick plug there to say, you know, we've uh, been very very busy on the uh, the Patreon. I know there was even uh, a new show uh, up there this morning, wasn't there, JP? Uh, lots for uh, for people to ch- to check out if they haven't already. Yes, there is uh, loads to check out. We did uh, a latest edition of the Grapple Film Club, which was um, a neck and neck contest between Running Man and Predator. Running Man had won, so we did that. But we felt we had to mention a bit about Predator as well because yeah. um, for men of a certain age, like me and Gareth, this is manna from heaven. So uh, <laughs> I like the way yeah. we talk. Like you two aren't like two years older than me. <laughs> I know it's 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 ridiculous, isn't it? It's like we're discussing it as if you were like I don't know. 22. How old are you, Benny? Are you, are you 36 now? 37 in two months. It's exactly two months to date. Everyone mark your calendars, the 19th of June. So. <laughs> beer gardens will be open the week after. Not even beer gardens. Everything's open the week after that. So, you know, we'll all go clubbing. We'll go to some shows. Oh, we've, got, we've, a pint. we've got a good half decade on you. We've got a good half decade on you. We did that. Um, like, really good, really great fun talking about talking about those films um obviously we've had the uh weekend shows and if you haven't heard it go back and listen to some of the wrestlemania content and obviously we've had our deep cuts mm-hmm. um and we've had our flashback episodes as well um i think you're probably going to say about what the next um kind of special episode is so i'll, I'll hand over to you oh and there's daily updates which if my computer works or may not Tried work on maybe i'm on a bus <laughs> I did try to do it on the bus. The, the sound level was abysmal, and I had the mask on as well. So, like, it was a it was a doomed idea from the beginning. Mm. Ah, still, I would have loved to have heard that. But uh, yeah, the one the one you managed to get out, JP, you're a, you're a professional. You uh, still got the job done. Um, but yeah, people can look forward to that. We'll have our weekend preview on Friday and previewing the big impact pay per view. I know you're excited for that one, JP. And obviously, oh, coming yeah. this week as well, we've been promising to get round to it. We are doing it. We're doing Wrestling Society X as a deep cut. Um, so have a, a proper dig into the what is it the ten episode uh, season of that and just in general the legacy of it and yeah everything uh everything surrounding it something i've never really properly watched um other than in 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 gifts i've seen from time to time and the like and vaguely knowing you know what the roster is so looking forward to doing that as well but yeah we're at the uh just past the midpoint of the month so still plenty of content coming this month for people to check out at uh, patreon.com slash grapple but yeah let's get into it it's been like we said been a big fucking week uh as far as news goes we speaking of the patreon we covered uh these stories you know but we me and JB kind of gave our immediate reaction um, to these stories, but it's uh, been a little bit of time for them to to sink in and definitely interested in, in your view, uh, Gareth. It was typical. We did Spotlight late last week. Uh, go call it a WrestleMania hangover. I managed to get the edit out at like Thursday at about 8 o'clock and like Thursday at 5 past 8. <laughs> Firstly, WWE do a load of releases and then 45 minutes later, AEW break the internet with like this unbelievable TV rating to the point where I didn't even tweet out that I'd released the podcast. I was like, this is not breaking through the noise. It's not worth it. I'll wait till the morning and just be like, in case you missed it, there was a podcast yesterday. Uh, <laughs> and I put a little note on as well for the Podbean listeners. There's no, uh, no Podbean feed for this podcast anymore as well so uh if you've managed to forget this far as a 
ex-pod being listener. Well done. Um, you've you've got that right. Um, but yeah, I let people hang it on Thursday because it just it wasn't worth it. <laughs> with, with so much going on in the wrestling world, and you know we've had a, a few days to uh, to digest. And I think the big story those two, and we mentioned it early. The biggest is that AW rating. Um, and you know we're going to talk dynamite in general because we didn't really get a chance to to talk it last week but yeah i'll go to you first garrett because uh, the people haven't heard it you know first impressions to this crazy rating you know 1.213 million i think it was 1.2 million plus again like i double taked i heard wrestlenomics radio today um and um Brandon Howell was saying about how he, a certain executive who maybe used to host that show didn't believe him when he told him the rating. Like, like, like Mookie Garner himself, when he got texted about this number, didn't believe it, which I thought was fucking hilarious because yeah. I didn't believe it when I first saw it. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy and just, yeah, beyond, I think, anyone's uh, wildest imaginations, this, uh, this AW number last week. Oh, no, I mean, God, I'm on record here a few weeks ago, you know, saying... You know, very much seeing that like base audience of, of AEW and, you know, thinking oh, actually NXT might be the ones who get that uplift uh, more so than AEW do, you know, and thinking there that, you know, even if, um, you know, realistically probably expecting to see like a, a 100K or 150K um, spike in the AEW rating. Now, I mean, it's, you know, to see that 1.2, it was absolutely fucking phenomenal and absolutely like delighted to, 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 to see that come out that way but i mean i'm i'm always someone who's you know i'm, I'm probably not going to like knee-jerk reaction and uh, take um week one as being okay this is it now this is absolute success you know we've seen this with aw before that they have had these odd occasions that they've, they've managed to spike a number you know where they've got close to a million in the past and then the following week it's maybe like randomly dropped by two hundred thousand or, or something like that you know for, for me there's every every possibility that there's there's elements in there of you know certain people within the you know whatever NXT audience not realizing that the show had moved or you know that things had changed and th- um, things like that you know they're then looking for their wrestling fix on a Wednesday night and just tuning into AW or you know obviously you've had the you know we talked extensively last week about the Jericho podcast uh, been in and around WrestleMania and like I highlighted those Google Trends figures that showed that more people were talking about Jericho than you know, or, or searching for Jericho via Google, then searching for you know four of the sorry five of the six people on the main cards really across WrestleMania as well. So there's there's that aspect that you can you can feed into it as well. But you know, I'm thinking you know there's every based on history so far there's every possibility that you know this could wind up just being nine hundred thousand this week or, so, or something like that. So I'm I'm very much waiting to just sort of. Get a get a month of it under the belt and maybe see how things average out over a over a one month, month period before I allow myself to get too excited about uh, this particular. Room. But yeah, certainly when it came through, I was absolutely fucking delighted because um, as has probably been referenced on two or three occasions already on this podcast, you know, any chance to see WWE do something and then get a fucking good kick in on the back of it is always uh, going to be a positive in my eyes. And them giving up the uh, giving up the day. And, you know, seeing that small boost in their own numbers and probably seeing that as like some reason for celebration. But then, <laughs> yeah, I'd loved, loved to 
have been a fly on the wall when they saw the fucking 1.2 million for AW and they seen the, de- the 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 demographic numbers and things like that for for that particular week because you know again when you've you've been in a world where you've seen some of those raw ratings and you've seen some of those raw um, demographics yeah they got the pros WrestleMania spike with raw and things but not to the extent that they've had it in the past and stuff you know that line's still heading in one direction for them when you you know you look you look at how things have gone over the last last few years and i'm still very hopeful that we're going to hit that crossover point where things are similar and if it stays at this rate that's that's only going to be accelerated really so mm-hmm. um yeah plenty to be uh plenty to be excited about from an aw point of view with with, with that one let's just uh let's just hope it carries on for the next couple of weeks oh yeah and that you know you mentioned that you know nxt on tuesday like i did laugh you know triple h doing like a a tweet about uh about that and about the takeover nxts and about oh you know it was one of our highest highest rated shows in a while and you know we are nxt and doing his little mixture oh it's so great your to brand see. your brand oh, oh so can i just bring you back to that nick khan interview that was oh. in that interview he he said the point that the the nxt the, the nxt takeover had done the 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 best ever that it did on 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 the network, but Peacock don't want us to disclose what they they are, and then like sort of like swiftly moved on. I was you're like you what? You're like I've never been involved in any business in my life where you get a positive bit of news and you don't want to shout it from the hilltops, especially when it's a positive bit of news about a bit, something that you've just paid your fucking billion pounds for or whatever they've paid for. It. You know you want you want to be able to be you know demonstrating the you know, return on investment already and showing that the, you, you know, that the, what you've paid out for some things are already generating a positive shift in your own view numbers. You don't want to be like, oh yeah, it's great, but don't tell anybody about it. Like, oh, it's a big <laughs> secret, you know, like let's let's just keep it internally. What a crock of shit. Like, fucking hell, like utter, utter bollocks. There's no fucking way on earth that that did, uh, did, did record numbers on Peacock and, you know, that's reflected you know, with the, mm. with the with the numbers that you know come off the come off the back of it with the uh, with the following week's NXT TV. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know, as as Sean said in the chat there, you know, we're not getting those congratulations to AEW kind of messages or anything like that. I think that you've got to got to accept defeat at this point of WWE. Although they probably won't, they'll probably end up moving back to Wednesdays or doing something. Because like, I, one thing I will say, like from a from a purely business defensive move like obviously you know nxt lost a lot of luster these last couple of years i mean it was losing it anyway but you know moving to a a two-hour show and you know being the uncool brand you know directly in competition with AEW has kind of killed it as, as something that i'm personally interested in and it was also embarrassing for them i think in a lot of ways that it you know basically lost the war pretty much right through with the exception of what three weeks i think it was altogether but I will say, like purely from a you know defensive point of view, I think I think depending as you say, Gareth, on what this number is next week, and I'm we should probably do like a round of guesses. I I think it's going to be a million or so myself still, but you know whatever it is, I do feel like this is proof positive that like that defensive move putting NXT on Wednesdays work to an extent because I didn't I, we we knew there was a hidden number. We knew the AEW number we were seeing on Wednesdays wasn't its true potential. We tried to do calculations with the seven-day number. Like, that's something I'm interested in at the, when we get it um, this week from Wade Keller. What's the seven-day number on that? 1.2 million dynamite. Um, but, you know, we tried to crunch those numbers and tried to work out what the real AEW number was. And we found out, you know, what the possibility, at least, of that number is. And I think we'd all written off week one as... 
you know, that crazy number they did week one that they were never going to achieve again. This, to me, says, actually, it is achievable to get back in that ballpark. It is achievable to get in the in the raw ballpark. You know, there was a segment on this show, you know, and the news of this came out after the weekend preview, JP, that the, the peak of Tyson and Jericho was like 1.48 million, I think it was, something like that. Like, that's ridiculous, yep. you know. Uh, just And it was only a couple of minutes of that, and, the you know, the true rating of the match was in the 1.3s. It was still the highest rated segments on the show. But it just shows you that the possibility is higher than even positive people like us gave credit for and you know yeah you you crunch the numbers gareth and you know yeah we all came up with 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 good guesses and like i say you know jp i I don't feel bad about not guessing that they would it would be a crazy number like this because fucking mucky mucky garner didn't think it was going to be this high so i think that that says it all like as to uh yeah maybe how successful that defensive nxt move was at least you know on that in that way it was, and it was the, the kind of the thing they were always going to do was make that defensive move. Mm-hmm. In a, as a weird kind of counterpoint, the reason why, I suppose, for a lot of people, why there's excitement over one week, and mm-hmm. I'm someone who from the beginning of this is like, you see what the trends are, you see where this goes, television ratings, notoriously. Oh, yeah, and I usually like, say that. I've forgotten oh, it now. Well. Oh, remember the XFL's like, yeah. debut? <laughs> yeah. Remember the XFL's debut? Like, big fucking TV rating, and it just sort of created very True. quickly. These things do happen. I think in this case, what's interesting is the amount of people a couple of years later on that are willing to give them this kind of a chance. Is, is very, very interesting. Because that first week, the 1.6 they did, isn't that surprising? That feels like, ah, it's somewhat of an inevitability. Like, that you've got this kind of new thing that's on TV and you just want to see what it's like. And it's that first impression. So it gets that big, that big rating. Now, they've gone through two years, they've established characters, and you've seen that, like, and this for me is the interesting thing, is if they do over, over like, the next sort of month or so, a million, or so it's like okay so you know what the base is like that you know that you can get a million people tuning in regularly into this product and again it's positive lines and positive trends and it's the fact that that number was really stable throughout the entire night it kind of it started out with sort of what about 1.2 million for the uh or between the bucks and um phoenix and pack and it never really deviated around that. I mean, there were some minimal ups and downs on it, but for, on the whole, really, really strong. And where it matters, the the eighteen to forty nine demo. I mean, Christ above, like really, really nailing it. Um, and this is good. The reason why this is is good news for the industry is a strong AEW forces and we mentioned about this in terms of tv rights deals and everything else a strong AEW forces wwe to actually try and look at themselves because the last time they did this was when they were losing the monday night wars where vince had to be open to ideas and they had to look at changing the product and everything else and i know there's a whole kind of myriad of other things that come from that decision but ultimately that's how he ended up winning and then he created mega stars and he wasn't fucking around with goofy characters like the fucking goon and Duke the Duke the Dumpster Drosy. There was like a whole kind of sensibility check. So a good AEW doing well for um, for that is the kind of thing that kind of forces him perhaps to kind of maybe forced to look about how it's viewed and how it's presented. Now, I don't I think he's so stubborn that they're not going to do this straight away, but it, it, it's a really it's a really good 
positive sign. I mean, and if you're TNT, you're jumping through hoops. If you're HBO Max, you're thinking, do we get those pay-per-views on here now? Like, do we make those kind of decisions? How far, like, if you're as a corporate partner, mm. Time Warner, you're very happy with this product that, that that's going out there. And the reason for the 1.2 is really hard, kind of hard to pinpoint. I mean, it's, it's unopposed. You've got a Tyson on there as well. You've got um, Darby Allen, who, let's face it, when it comes to ratings, it's been, you know, it's a proven thing that the, he is a he is a draw. Now, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are, but that's absolutely fine. I get the reason of why he's appealing. But I think the thing that has to be looked at is that WWE broadcast a two-hour advert for AEW on mm. the WWE network, where they showed somebody who worked in their company, explained about how it kind of ground him down. He left, did something different, seems really happy. Mm. And here he is with a big world title belt. Mm. Like, I think I don't think you can look past the effect that kind of had for people who are willing to give it a go. And if those people gave it a go at the start, they didn't turn off. Mm. They didn't leave. They stayed for the two hours. And that's saying a lot. And and there on that point about like the, the Jericho thing, it's, it's that endorsement from Steve Austin as well, isn't it? It's like, it's the biggest star in wrestling. The biggest draw in wrestling history is, you know, without saying it, you know, is is essentially saying it's good shit what you're doing now, but you know, basically somewhere yeah. else. So it's 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 given given that thing. We know what you know. Mainstream WWE audience are like they hang on the word. They'll hang on any fucking bullshit that WWE figures tell them. So if they're then taking that endorsement from Steve Austin, you know, people will just be eating up things that you know that that, that come out of his 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 mouth. So that. That was that was something that would stand out there, but I think just the way that the, the show was 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 put together as well. Obviously, starting out with like a that really hot opener with the books and um, uh, Packham Phoenix, and if you're um, again if you're a casual fan and you're turning on, there's this like fast paced, different, high flying match there. You've got somebody who's a bit identifiable in pack from WWE. There's the young books who a lot of people have probably maybe heard of, but maybe not seen and things like that potentially as well. And you've, you, you just got this, and obviously Phoenix as, uh, as well. You've got this kind of like fresh, different look feel to the wrestling it was a long match you know it was you know it was a 25 nearly as damn it a 25 minute match as as well so somebody you know switching on and you talk there jp about holding the audience throughout the show well if you're starting with that match that's you know you're 20 you know 23 minutes 25 minutes you're 25 percent of the way through the program by sticking around for that length of time so you're already in there and you're already you know engaged and then you've got the other things to come like your, your tyson and your jericho you know if they're if they're hanging on for jericho because he's you know promoted that he's going to be on the show later obviously it was on the um you know on the on, on the clip up front as uh, um, as well then again i think it just shows together this excellence that we've talked about in the past of them pacing the show and them, you know, constructing the show in a way that we, you know, where they're analyzing how it's going to best work to hold an audience and build an audience. And, and, and I think a lot of credit should be given to that for the way with this situation that was presented to them, that they, I think they put it together perfectly. And then to main event with Darby Allen, who, you know, like you say, 
is somebody who has statistically proven to be a strong drawer, and particularly with that younger audience. You've essentially you've got like those three flagpoles right through the show there that you've you start with that hot opener. You've got Jericho and Mike Tyson to come, and then you're you're promoting your main event there of Darby Allen. You're going to get that like consistent line across the piece as well. And you know, I was just having a quick look to see who's on next time uh, this week and. It's like Darby Allen against Jungle Boy again. So it's like roll Darby Allen out again. Roll Jungle Boy, obviously, who's done well in the past, and is again is another fresh, you know, fresh face and things like that. You know, it almost feels like there's a bit of a science to, to some of this sometimes in the way that they're, you know, piece, piecing this together. And um, you know, I, th- I, th- I think they, you know, they did so well capitalizing on that that opportunity this time. Is a blueprint for future shows for me. And this is this is this is the ideal dynamite formula. Obviously, you can't do it every week, but like you mentioned, that Jungle Boy Derby match, like that's a late addition. Like I don't think that was one of the initial matches they signed for the show, but they've clearly looked at it and gone fucking hell, because like that's the thing. Derby was like. You know, obviously Jericho Tyson was the overall peak on the show, but that was the peak for like like we've said for the for the key demo. You you know whether. Even if you want to be skeptical about whether he can pull a number like that again, you've absolutely tried that again. I don't think Matt Hardy's responsible in any way for that number. Maybe you know a bit of you know name recognition in there with the young guy. Maybe add some of the olds because you know let's not yeah. forget this was this was AW's best ever number with like the over fifties because basically all the Albasters who watch NXT every week gave it a shot. So some of them were probably there for for Matt Hardy, and that you know that speaks to you know going for you know uh, the different demos as well to to shore up that that overall number but i am so interested in like i know this is probably boring like we and dp talk about it every week on the the weekend preview show to the point where i was like ah are these boring you know quarter hour stats really that interesting i can't wait for dynamite this week and it's not because of the content it's because i want to see what does darby allen and jungle boy do (laughs) specifically in the demo i want to know i want to know if it works again um i'm not going to be gutted if they do nine hundred thousand. you know lower than that i'll be gutted but you're nine hundred thousand to a million as as a settled range that's okay that's what they were doing seven days anyway that's fine but i'll be so interested to see if they can keep this momentum if it was me Maybe this is wrong, but I'd be like, I'd be piling even more on. I'd be announcing it. I don't think there's a, is there a big Jericho angle announced for this week? Like, this has been a fucking victory lap for Chris Jericho, hasn't it? Like, and as far as him being finished and such, and, you know, being the old man on, on, on the on the roster, he's still a fucking big star. And that network, you mentioned the, you mentioned the network appearance, JP, but not only that, the fact that it was led into by WrestleMania, of all things. Like, though, like Jericho is, yeah, he's, he's a key part of, of why dynamite works like i said on the on the preview show at the weekend we were watching him him and darby allen from like one of the early dynamites and like the fans were literally chanting thank you jericho and i'd forgotten how happy we all were that jericho was willing to take a chance on AEW and how important it was Mm. to the credibility of the company that he did that um he's a massive you know important ingredient to this so i'd be plastering him on the show i'd be advertising sting harder and yeah i'd be going crazy this week uh, just trying to keep that number going um but you know maybe they're showing a little bit more restraint than than maybe i would and, and knowing it's a it's a marathon not a sprint but i couldn't help myself from getting over excited with this 
Yeah, I would. I probably wouldn't be doing that because I think you know if you're playing prime Mookie ball here, True. then what you do is you're testing out well how strong a draw is Darby Allen for a second week. How much of a fluke really is this? What is that? Because if he does the same number again, mm. you then start the to think. Belt Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do. You find okay, right? How big is this audience and the rest mm. of it? And they'll have a better idea when they're doing the live crowds. I mean, when Jungle Boy's over here for the uh, Welsh Comic Con whatever it is we'll have an idea if there's queues around the block as well won't we oh yeah, yeah. about how, how big it is um i think um like with this that they're this is like a result of taking lots and lots of calculated risks about the structure of the show and what works and long segments and everything else because as with any television show like this not everything is going to click for you but there's just such a level of consistency hmm. like and it's and you know it can get better and all of these, a lot of these people we're talking about, I mean, we're mentioning a kind of a Matt Hardy and a Chris Jericho, but for the most part, it's young wrestlers who are fresh faces who people don't know. And 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 that's like, and I think that's part of the crucial thing is there is just a whole breath of fresh air about this, about the presentation, everything else. Um, that is, I'm hoping that it connects because for wrestling on the whole, it, it needs this. It needs like a kind of, a company out there who is producing a very good television pro- product with captivating characters. And then if WWE start acting surprised as to why this is happening, it, and maybe, maybe at one point they'll actually look and say, maybe we're just producing shit. No, maybe our writers are just shit. Maybe our ideas are shit and they're all stale. The one thing they've never questioned during all of this time was it's always been the race. It's always been everybody else's fault. But the McMahons. And, well, well, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, well, that was another thing from that Nick Khan interview as well. The, you know, you just triggered there was him coming out and like saying the line that like TV was a writer's led medium. And I was thinking, like, well, your writers have been at the shits for fucking 20 yes. years. And you've got this fellow at the top who's got no fucking idea, who basically takes out a pencil with a rubber on the end and just rubs it all out anyway and writes his own fucking shit on top of it anyway. So if you believe that your product and that and t- you know a TV led product is writer driven, then the there's the there's no 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 fucking hope for it um, uh, at all. So that was another that was another big X in the Nick Khan box for me when I was uh, when I was listening to that interview that you've just just reminded me of there. But on that point again as well, you know, as we've raised in the past about you know the use of the younger talent and the and the fresh talent, you know, I think. When obviously we were particularly negative about Christian Cage when, when he came in, and then obviously there was that like hint towards going after Kenny Omega, and mm. and you know we'd said we were talking a lot about like oh you know hopefully they follow the pattern that they've done in the past where they've used the older guys like Jericho to work with the younger guys, to what they've done with Sting to work with the fresh faces that people have never seen before, and do that. You know we want to see that happening with with Christian not him going in there against like established names or putting at the top end of the card. Lo and behold, on this show, the, the power Hobbs, powerhouse Hobbs angle, and he's going to be taking on powerhouse Hobbs this week. You're like fucking great. They, they fucking, they know it. Okay. These things that you, these things that you, you're saying and you have these fears about them and you think that things are going to get led in that particular way. And then they just go and do something like this and you go, of course they know they're fucking smarter than us kind of thing. They, you know, they know how this, uh, they know how this all, all works. And yeah, that's it. They're using, using Christian there to give fucking 
powerhouse Hobbs a rub and get him a bit more, you know, of a presence and get him to just be a bit more known as a, as a new star as well. And mm. I was just like, yes, when I saw that happen, it was yeah. just, it was, it was just like such a relief. And it was amazing how quickly I warmed to the idea of Christian being on dynamite when that angle happened. It just made me think, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly happy for him to be here now because this is what he should be doing. Using, using some established star like this to, get a new guy over who's going to be potentially a corner post of the yeah. business for the next five years. We've all been in a bad relationship for 30 years, haven't we, with WWE? That's what it is. So we're all like, <laughs> yeah, we, we we see Christian come out with Kenny Omega. It's like, oh, no, we know what they're doing here. Or like, or even TNA, to be honest. You know, you, oh, no, here it goes. I said it. I made the same, that exact comment. This feels very TNA. And that's either they listened to that critique or it was never the plan and we should have trusted them in the first place, you know? And that's the thing. Like, even when... Even the weeks where Dynamite had bad week, and we've had very bad weeks recently as far as ratings go, like disappointing weeks. Uh, I shouldn't say ratings anymore. Viewership recently, like they've stuck the course and they have been proven absolutely right where other wrestling companies might well have panicked and gone, you know what? No, we do need to put Christian on top. We do need to get Sting in the ring on, on Dynamite every week in main events or, you know, something daft like that. They've stuck, they've stayed the course. And that pays off, you know. A Darby Allen isn't going to immediately be a draw for you, you know. A, a Jungle Boy might, might, you know, there might be little signs. Oh, he does well in the in the in this particular demo, you know. Women like him or whatever like that, you know. But you know, overall, he, he's he, he's you know, we lose a few viewers, but stick with him because how are the fans are going to know who he is unless we stick with those weeks. And that's been the lesson these weeks of how good has Dynamite been recently. You know, it's been incredible, um, and they haven't had their reward as far as viewership goes. And this to me felt like. I think it was the perfect storm, to be honest. We're all trying to find an exact reason. The Jericho podcast, the unopposed, mm. you know, the the NXT olds coming over, which, you know, was part of it. The good TV show, it's all of it together, I think. WrestleMania, you know, coming after that when, you know, you know most, most you know, ratings were, were up this last, last week, so most viewership was up. But it, it was the perfect storm this week and gotta say i felt like they, they put together a good show as well like I, I didn't i didn't love the all of it i you know i i'll be honest like i kind of thought that that young bucks match that opens like I, I, watching it live in at the time i was like oh they kind of they killed like 35 minutes of the show now then i saw the viewership I was like oh i get it now okay that makes sense <laughs> you know so they were right to do it but you know maybe maybe I, even if i didn't love it and there were bits of the show that you know I could have taken all that left, but it almost seems silly to. I can't even pick this apart because it, it just fucking worked, didn't it? It just it, it it clearly was the work of some kind of of genius. Um, you know, even Darby Allen and Matt Hardy. I don't even think it was that good to be honest. I thought it was a bit of a overbook mess, but whatever. <laughs> One point two million people tuned in and watched it, so fuck it. You know, is it is the, is there even you know things to to nitpick there? Um, yeah, like overall, I, I've got little problems like that, but overall I thought it was a good show and it felt like a show that, you know, if I watched this as a someone who watched the Jericho interview and was like, oh, what's this AEW? And then I saw this product. I, I think I'd be coming back for more. Um, I don't know. Do you guys have particular highlights from uh, from this week's show? Um, I, I, I'll tell you something I did like from it. I mean, and, and again, I feel the sort of same way as you where it was a show where they'd kind of built to a few things. Mm. But ultimately, it was still a very much we're on the way to the bigger shows. So mm. things like Blood and Guts and, and the rest of it like that. I wanted to talk about Anthony Agogo's debut <laughs> because, like, the good I have to say, first of all, yeah, I'm fine with the gut punch. 
I don't care. I, like, I don't understand the annoyance of it. The guy's like Jericho can get over the fucking crew the Judas effect. Then yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'm willing to accept anything can get over. You know, Big Show had a punch as a finish once, and it's fucking Big if Show. The same people complain about that. We're fine with Scotty Too Hot. He's the worm. Then I'm not interested in any of their <laughs> opinion. Um, but like I. It was like the guy sold it like a million dollars as well, yeah. which was, I, I thought was really good. And it was over very quickly. And even though there's the element of, well, can he wrestle and whatnot? It's like, well, you have to tune in to see, won't you? And that's fine. I am more than fine with that. It's like, yeah, make me wait for this. The idea of Go-Go says, all right, I'll do a proper wrestling match. You're going to have to pay for it or whatever. You kind of go, yeah, that's, there you're learning something here, lad, aren't you? I mean, so I think it's it's really a, a um, like that was one of the things I just – I like the presentation of him as much as anything else. I'm not mad about the name the governor because, yeah. like, you know. Bollocks. Yeah, I know you probably think I should like <laughs> him, but I don't. And who was that bloke who was the governor? That big bloke who was in lock, Martin stock, Stone? and two Let, Lenny someone, is that? <laughs> yeah. He's the one who's like, who oh, fucking do this? Yeah, one of those <laughs> blokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm the same as you. Though, like I, again, you know what I'm like because I, 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 I don't want spoilers with, with dynamite. So it, generally, I'm kind of like avoiding social media until I catch up. I didn't realise that there was that dislike online for was that a thing? Were people like pissed off with this finish? Not and, really. I think most people would be would be fine with it. Online, yeah. there was a bit of it. There was a bit of it. Like, how was that a finish type it's of thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I, 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 I loved it. I just thought that's different. You know, it just sort of just and especially with a guy with his background and coming in there new. I was just like. Mm. That's the most logical perf. Like God, yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? And if if we just have this run of him just doing this to a few jobbers and lower level guys across, you know, dark and elevation and popping up on dynamite every now now and again doing it, and then you work towards like, oh, but can he actually? What's going to happen when he gets put in there with a the proper wrestler or a bit, you know, etc. Just builds that intrigue and things and the character and, and you know, like. Oh, like I again, I I just loved it from that coming at something a little bit different, just feeling like a bit of diversity on the show. As a move as well, the thing I liked about it is if it was like a knockout to the face, there's obviously the thing about like you're kind of breaking, like you can't do punches to the face and whatnot yeah. like this. Whereas to the to the gut, it just requires on how good the person is selling it. And fair play to the guy, he sold it like a million dollars, which is like all he was there to do, and he did that, and. He's going to do this to a whole other series of people in the Nightmare family. And it's just fine. It's just going to take a long, long time to build up. But mm. I like the presentation of him. Yeah. And for a company that needs UK representation, like really needs it. Hey, like well, Welsh Comic Con, November. Yeah. There's lads so, over. I'm suspicious. Rev Pro weekend as well. Yeah. Really? Mm. Your call. Oh, is, 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 is our kept there? <laughs> not been announced yet mate but the big you know he'll be one of the headliners they'll announce him later yeah he's coming so they're definitely the son of a four but we only know about jungle boy is that right <laughs> yeah yeah jungle sting as well and Britt baker so you know Deb- I, I mean i'll be honest Britt baker at your call mm. for me that's a selling point it's like oh, i want to yeah. see this act in the flesh i think jungle like, boy be to be honest completely- I think Jungle Boy, he strikes me as like, I don't know if AW would want to lose him for a month or two, but he strikes me as the type that Andy Quilden, you know, when he talks about like getting people over for a prolonged period, a few shows with Jungle, maybe in just a month. I think that'd be great. Him and Luchasaurus. 
it helps with TV ratings and a bit of notoriety. If you can get them on a sofa mm. this morning, stuff mm. like that, like mm. if Tony Khan can pull that stuff, ITV, corporate <laughs> partner, mm, get yeah. Jungle Boy on there, they'll talk about Luke Perry and they go, oh, you're, and you're a wrestler as well. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and he seems like a nice lad. Mm. It's not like, I don't know. And he's quite shy. On the fucking <laughs> side, are you? Right. They should. I'd love to see as well, obviously, arguably more than any Jungle Boy interview on this morning. <laughs> but you can put Luchasaurus <laughs> next to him dressed as a dinosaur, and like, even if Jungle Boy is a bit shy, he can take over the interview. It, it writes itself. I'll, I need to bring Brig back. Big, big breakfast back. They'd be great on that. Put Luchasaurus next to New Jack. Mm. Yeah, that's just like fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it could work. Yeah. Um, the only nitpick I was going to make about the uh, the punch bot was doing it on the same show as Tyson's on. Um, AW do that a lot. They have like one good idea and they do it twice. Like it's like the stuff I was mentioning about you know the stables the other week. Or early on they were doing it a lot where like you get like a same similar angle on the same show. Um, I don't know. Maybe that adds to it. Maybe that puts over that there's another boxer on the show who's got a knockout punch and you, you've got your own boxer who's also got a different type of of knockout punch. But that's only a minor nitpick. I didn't really understand most of the complaining about it because you can get anything over uh, in wrestling. It's yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. All you need is one backstage segment between yeah. the two. Yeah. And you just go, oh, I don't yeah. care. Cocky upstart. Mm. And that immediately gets a go-go over. Mm. Like that bit more of mm. just like, he's going to stand up to Mike Tyson. Why? Because he's also, he's a, he's an Olympic medalist. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that worked. No, I mean, I, mean, I mean, you mentioned Britt Baker there and that was another highlight for me was just that, that backstage um, segment with her where she was like using the rankings after Red Velvet had lost and it's like, oh, Red like Red Velvet's now like seven and two and I'm, you know, six and one. Oh, so I'm moving up the ranking. I just, <laughs> I just loved it because it was like, it was show, it was presenting those rankings as actually being meaningful, which was, which was good as well. But it was just, it was, it was great just almost helping continue build that path of Britt Baker just been on that journey to the to to the top and that inevitable you know title win that hopefully we're going to see because she just feels like some star at the moment like mm-hmm. like fucking hell she's she's just money absolute absolute money and, and and to be fair with that following on from that red velvet Jake Cargill match as well again I think that was another great example yes. of using Jake Cargill in the absolute right way you know Again, em- emphasizing the positives, hiding the negatives, and you know, making it look like a, a, a superstar on the rise as well. And again, it's one of those things where just keeping that on the on the slow burn, doing what they need to with her, and you know, pairing her up with the right people and things like that. You know, again, she, you know, I thought that was a that was that was a that was a great presentation of her, and I thought I thought Red Velvet worked fantastically in that match to 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 make Jade look even even better too. So, again, that was a, a, another one as the. AEW women's division that again has obviously been derided quite a lot continues mm. to grow in the right way and developing these own you know stars and getting these people getting now this opportunity getting Jade Cargill in front of 1.2 million people you know this this number of people seeing this absolute mm-hmm. you know standout you know Rick Shetter, basically. genuine star quality <laughs> yeah. like massive physical you know freak specimen yeah. kind of thing mm-hmm. just like you know she's memorable she's somebody who you're gonna you, you're gonna watch and you're gonna wait gonna wait, go away and she's gonna stand out in your mind if you see her again you're gonna remember that you you know you're gonna remember her from last time as uh, as well so again it was fantastic that they got her on this this particular show i thought 
What to be like a northern hat? Oh, go on. sorry. No, go on, Jeff. I just want to mention about Red Velvet mm. as well. I think Red Velvet shows like a real lot of promise. And yeah, my God, like she's been basically put in as a, as a substitute for Brandy. Brilliant. Mm. Not an issue. Like case closed. Take it every like, day. It's just, yeah, yeah, absolutely every day of the week. And she's she's a really good baby face. And I think you can tell a really good story with her, which is the thing the stories they've been doing with other people like Tyre Conti in the division. Mm. You know, I'm interested in Tyre Conti versus Hikaru Shida. Yeah. I'm Definitely. curious to see where they headline with it. That was one of the things I saw about whether or not you do that. But I imagine it'd be possibly a kind of match you do around the one hour mark. I was going to say a bit but, of Mookie ball. Yeah, slip in. Do that. I'll take it any day over Brandy. I was going to say just as a as a callback to last week's show when we were talking about figures. Brandy Rhodes got in on the uh, the first set of AEW figures, didn't she? That was a fucking travesty. But to follow up on that conversation last week, Gareth, you mentioned about going to twi- uh, Smith's Toy Warehouse, all kinds of AEW figures and uh, and stuff over there. So if anyone was searching for them after we talked about it last week, that's your place. Go there, have a nice little wander. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I was bargaining. Oh, did you did you pay a little visit? Did you well, paid a little bit after you said yeah. Had a little hurrah. Uh, yeah, Steph was happy. She got a she got a Jericho figure. So yeah, uh, and an MJ Jericho and MJF were in the uh, in the bargain aisle, uh, which which was a bit odd. But how much is bargain It was still twenty quid. So it wasn't really any cheaper. I think Fuck it's because I think it's because shocking. I think because they're from the old like uh, line, if you know what I mean. And like, there's been lines since. Uh, I think that's what it was. Um, but yeah, they had everyone that Darby with a little skateboard you can get. Um, it was kind of cool. Sheeta's got a got a figure. Loads of them. There's a couple like you can pick up a classic Rick Rude one for like fifteen quid yeah. on eBay. There's a couple of them, and I'm like, <laughs> mate, oh, are they going cheap? I don't know why I'm asking this because, like, I actually there's an entertainer near me at work. Oh, fuck me, I'm on to this. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> entertainer yeah, for the belt smiths for the figures. Um, yeah, so yeah, maybe some TNA stuff on reduced. <laughs> That'd be my time to shine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they'll be in the reduced aisle permanently, um, or or Poundland, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> but uh, I, I would bargain to a CZW range. <laughs> There's, there's probably a Jeff Jarrett with guitar there that's out there still packaged that you can buy for £500 or something, JP. Oh. One day, this time next year, when we're millionaires, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll treat you to one. Hey, once well, this podcast hits, it'll be a... Uh... Yeah, the, the, yeah the, the fucker stole my podcast idea, which was a podcast about him, so he decided to do it about himself. Which is... Thank you so much. And is that plagiarism? No, I think he is. I, <laughs> um, I was going to ask you, like, I got a couple of like last uh, dynamite points before we do move on. Uh, what did you guys think of, of the books, um, Phoenix Pentagon tag, like uh, as a match? I, I didn't really enjoy it. I, I thought the books first out in as like this exaggerated heels should have been in front of a crowd. You could tell when Jericho came out for his match, there was no crowd there. Um, I don't know why they would. I don't know what. I, I would. I get it because it worked. Again, any criticism I give about this show is counteracted by the rating. But yeah, I don't know if that would have been my my choice as like the first way to to wheel out this this exaggerated heel young bucks character. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just not into that. I'm not really. Yeah, them reunited with Kenny in this whole new Bullet Club thing. Um, the match was fine, but I. It's not particularly the most exciting thing on Dynamite for me right now. I'm not engaged by the storyline involving them. I didn't like the kind of heel turn angle main mm. event stuff they did the other week. It's one of the areas of the show that, from a plot perspective, it still doesn't really make too much sense. As a match... Melter went five. Fine. <laughs> didn't he? He gave this five stars. He, I don't think I dreamt that. I think that's real. Shitting. <laughs> yeah. 
five stars. This. I believe so. I yeah. put my rating in. I was going to do three and a half. I thought yeah, it was I gave a good it three television match. Well, that's about right, isn't it? Anywhere near great as everything else. Like you'd argue it's a bit overlong, but then again, I think they were like, you know, they they've wanted to, they like starting the show off with this hot young bucks match. So you mm. kind of knew what you were getting into for it as well. Uh the finish necessarily I was kind of fine with in mm. some ways. I mean I've seen them do that kind of stuff before. It's 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 the way of getting of pinning Phoenix without Phoenix kind of losing anything for it. Um and they seem to be teasing some sort of mask versus hair match at some point. That, mm. that they were going to do, and the Bucks could do with a fucking haircut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah stay stay at him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm guessing Gareth Gareth Grapple was nowhere near five stars on this one. Like that shocked me. That Melter doesn't shock me much these days. But I mean, I knew I was low. I knew most people probably closer to four. Like I went like say three and a half on it. But that that's like what? What's he watching? Yeah. Well, it's it's tracking at like four point two two on the app. So it's higher than you know, you know, doing doing you know, really well. I, I give it 3.75. Um, and again, I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoyed it. It was a fucking good match. It was a fucking good match for a TV match. And, um, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, for the length that it was as well, it definitely held my attention throughout. And I, re- I liked the finish. You know, I, I was very kind of like teetering between four and 3.75. You know, I, you know, I nearly went four stars myself on it. It was, it was something that, that, that stood out. I mean, I think on the... You know, and there's some fucking cool spots in there. Like there was that handspring double cutter from Phoenix, which looked absolutely amazing. The timing on it was was fucking perfection. It was as cool as fuck. And then he hit a tope Cornelio that the height he got in. I don't know if I've ever ever seen anyone get the uh, get that the, the height on it that he he, he got there. You know, there's just just some excellent like individual bits in there. But like you with the books, I'm just looking for a bit of consistency from them now because I just feel like Stick it's been. Now. It's just up and down, back and forward, and, and you almost like haven't like felt like they know who they are or what they're going to be. And you know, obviously, when they've done things like it's it's like bled back and forward with the Kenny stuff and the the um, Good Brother stuff. But even before that, there was there, there was a period there where it was when they were doing like the FTR stuff, and you had that weird thing that they were a bit heelish, but they were still you know they were still. There were still faces, but they were being a bit heelish, and then FTR were the heels, so then it felt a bit heel versus heel, and then so the books had to tone it back and be a bit more babyface-ish at that point and things, and it was almost like they maybe thought they were going on this path that they are now and then had to pull back a little bit just because of circumstance with a couple of signings or the way the Kenny storyline went and, and, and things like that. And I think now that they're in this and this is the direction they've gone, I just want to see them go full tilt on this for, you know, the next four weeks, eight weeks, and just have a nice, clear, strong direction that this is the uh, this is the line that they're that they're going down, and you know, and, and we know that they can be unlikable, cocky shits kind of thing because we've seen them do it for years previously as well, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to translate to TV. I think I think now with the depth that we're into with AEW from how long it's been established, the company doesn't. It almost feels like the company sort of stood on their shoulders initially, along with like Kenny and you know Hangman and Jericho to some point. Where, but whereas obviously they've now built these other stars around them or built other people up that they have got credibility within the within Dynamite to your you know your regular viewers that 
they don't need to be the, the books to be the, the popular ones who people can get behind and, and, and things like that. They can, you know, turn them heel and have people boo them and have people be, you know, up against them and things like that. So just, yeah, just, just really want to see them, see them go down that direction. Like, mm. obviously it's one of them, like you say, it would have worked better in live audience, but it is what it is. It's circumstances it and, you know, it worked at the end of the day. So, you know, who, who are we to complain? matter i mean do you have any thought I mean, quickly i mean we'll, we'll have to move on but like uh, on in that combined note, like i am wondering a little bit what's going on with kenny right now is he sitting waiting for moxley to come back like i'm wondering what like his next big step is like the it's like they got this rich one thing going on over on impact but not really selling it on dynamite is rich does which front mm-hmm. turn up on dynamite this wednesday to give kenny something to do i don't know he just he doesn't feel like the champ right now to be honest he feels a little bit secondary if you know what i mean he doesn't feel like the the top guy in the company i mean you can come back around to it but yeah it seems like a weird beer for kenny right now sorry jp they seem they seem to be building to adam page was the thing that was there though it was the first this real soon kind of though do you think like, maybe jericho as a baby face now maybe that's where we're going i i don't think that's necessarily a bad option i don't want to see him go to page now i want to mm. see that more towards the end of the year or even like an all-in rather than mm. double or nothing also mm. i want to see it in front of a crowd yeah like that's a uh, that's like I'm fine with him having an in a match against like an interim. So if you put, for example, Kenny Omega versus Pack on as like double or nothing, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, because like, you can't I do Jericho there because there'll be an MJF singles match probably by then, won't there? Yeah, mm. I, there's other stuff you can sell the show on, and I think you go with it with the, having the really big match. I mean, I've seen like, Ivan mentions in the chat there as well about Eddie Kingston. That stuff that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately, like we all think it's Paige is the direction they're going in is when do they pull the trigger on it and do they do the thing where he loses the, the first match mm-hmm. and then has to kind of show, like come back to kind of have the big win mm-hmm. that we think is going to be that first one. No, you don't, you know, it's a dangerous game. If you do it right, you get it absolutely spot on, right? You create a, a big star, but mm-hmm. I don't mind Kenny being put in this situation that he that he is currently. Like obviously it wasn't it was just promos, wasn't it, this week and then the last couple of weeks before that he's been involved in the six man tags and, and and things. I I I've always quite liked the idea that you don't have to see your world champ wrestle that often or wrestle singles matches that often. He had that match with Matt Seidel, didn't he, not too long ago that um, that was that was a few weeks ago on oh. on, on, on on Dynamite. But yeah, I'd, like Again, I don't think the, the champ should wrestle singles matches too often. It should feel like a special occasion to me when you get to see Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega wrestle a, a singles match. You know, I kind of get what you're saying there about from a program standpoint, mm. there doesn't look to be that clear and obvious definitive direction for a month's time or, or, or something like that. I think Hangman's the, the end game, but I, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd agree with with Ivan there on the back of the um, pay per view where he. He, he obviously they had that wet fart of a uh, finish with the match with Mox and Eddie Kingston came in. You'd have thought that surely was leading to Kingston having a an easy match, match with Omega at some point. It's something they can put there on TV. There's an easy story around it. You, you, you know, it's you know I think that's that's a direction as a as a stopgap in between. I'd I'd like to see, but um, yeah, I'm still intrigued by this this rich rich one stuff because again, I mean this is. You know, but I'll be proven wrong. But it's just one of those things. That, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm just not sure about it. About the fact that he's gonna 
you know, he's going to take that title. Like to me, it feels like there's going to be some fuck finish where like Eddie Kingston costs him the belt or something, something like that. <laughs> you know, you, you know, and and because that is just the history of title for title matches between promotions and things. There's always a it's always a draw or it's a double DQ. <laughs> count out or something like something mm. like that it just feels a bit odd that like you say rich swans had no build-up at all on on, on dynamite so it just feels a bit like uh, are impact really going to do this just let him come in with no builds and with no sort of no. presence on their own tv show and kenny's going to take, take <laughs> did you see the press conference <laughs> like because he was like, poor Rich Swan was like yeah, a little yeah, kid at the end. Of, he's like a little kid at the end of the table where like Don Carlos and Kenny and even fucking what's his name, Mister Team Canada, um, Scott Scott Amora doing all of the talking. And poor Rich is just like he's clearly just a spare piece in this. It's the Kenny show, like, and they do actually in the press conference again. It's wrestling promoters, but they make a point, Scott Amora and Tony Khan, of like winking to the camera and going, "There will be no fuck finish. There will be a winner," type of thing. But it's wrestling promoters so you know uh, i'll I'll take it with a pinch of salt but yeah no i completely see your point and i I don't mind kenny taking a back seat i I don't know i I would like to see him be the focus of the show world champion that kind of been waiting to see him be as long as it's coming i trust an aw i'm sure i'm sure you know that there's plans i just yeah at the moment scratching my head exactly what they are but yeah of, of those choices you know eddie king's little taught me into a match with kenny um and you know then you can go off to the races with babyface jericho you know leading to the big mjf match at the end of the summer you know i think yeah maybe uh maybe we can be patient there and maybe that's that's the plan uh with all that stuff but um any other notes on it on dynamite before we quickly move on we do have the uh, the small matter of WWE's black thursday to talk about at this two hour 15 minute point we said it was a stack show it is a stack show now i've got nothing else to add for dynamite just a great show let's hope I'll- what's your prediction what's your prediction for wednesday throw that out what are you thinking? I'll go 1.1 just to be a contrarian. That it'll fall, but not buy as much. I think it'll be yeah, just I'll below go. one, like disappointingly. So it'll be like nine, 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 eight or something. And it'll be like, could it not just have been one? It'll be like that. No, well, I was going to say 950, but I'll go 900 then just to be a, <laughs> a, a touch lower again kind of thing. So we've, we've covered our bases between us there. So one of there us can go. do the uh, the old Lanza victory lap next week. <laughs> you played higher or lower before. <laughs> yeah. Watch it, watch it come in at like 600,000 and we'll all be crying into our fights. Oh, God, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hope not. Um, but yeah, we should move swiftly on because it was the other big news story. It feels like a million years ago now. The, uh, the WWE... Uh, I suppose Black Thursday uh, releases uh, again uh, that came uh, at time of releasing Spotlight and yeah you know we the joke being it was exactly one year to the day that they made very very similar uh, releases last year uh, expected to be more over the weekend there was rumor you know Sean Rossap said that uh, it was looking like. There was going to be some NXT news as well. We all had our fingers crossed that NXT UK was going under, but um, unfortunately that has not yet happened. Um, But yeah, so far the list just reads Samoa Joe, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Callisto, Bo Dallas, Mojo Rawley, and Wesley Brake. Murderers row there of guys. Uh, obviously, Samoa <laughs> Joe being the, the headline um, act within there, but... Yeah, you know, uh, again, they've, they've said that it was a budget cut, so the, the reason for the, the releases, and uh, yeah, pro, record profit year, of course they are, um, but they've all got three-month um, 
uh, no competes. So we're not going to see, you know, Joe turning up on, on Dynamite this week. Not that they've even got the fucking space for him at the moment. Maybe in, maybe in three months, he'll, it, there'll be a space. Um, and maybe, maybe that'll happen. But yeah, three month no compete for them all. And yeah, that's, uh, that was the big news on Thursday again. I, I, I'm still not, I'm cautious. I bet you by the time we drop this podcast tomorrow, there'll be another 12 releases. But, um, what was, uh, again, you know, you went on the weekend show with us on Friday when we gave our, uh, our snap judgment reaction to Gareth. Uh, what did, uh, what was your first reaction to, to these ones? And, uh, I suppose the headline act there in, uh, in Samoa Joe uh, being released. Now I'm going to sound like the biggest cunt in the world now, but I didn't give a fuck at all. That's why you're the bunny man at Graffle. To me, I saw these like, you know, I think, I think eight, the vast majority of them had like been released and I was like, yeah, good kind of thing. You know, to be, to be, to, to, to be honest, it was like, how, how can we, with like good, like every single week or every single month, we will come on here and we'll say like, oh, WWE and their bluted roster, to sign okay. everyone under the sun and do the, what we're supposed to do. They just keep signing everyone and never, ever let anybody go apart from the ones who get so pissed off that they ask to leave of their, uh, of their own accord. I was like literally looking at this list. And I'm like, Wesley Blake, oh, d- does he still exist anyway? When was Bo <laughs> Dallas even on TV? Five years ago. Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. Like, you, you get these people, oh, heavy machinery. There was so, yeah, like, there was such promise. No, there wasn't. He was terrible, Tucker. He, he, <laughs> he looked terrible. He had, like, if it, you know, I, I hate Otis with, like, every ounce of my being, but, like, at least he had a touch of charisma about him or something, like, remotely different. Tucker was just a random big guy who was there. He's just, uh, like... It was that bloke who um it was that bloke who teams with Ace Austin and Impact. He was in the WWE system and like John took Paul? it basically. Madman Fulton. Madman Fulton. He could just be him, kind of. It was just <laughs> yeah. random, generic, big, long haired, tall man who can't do much, has got no charisma. Just like no, oh, he's not in WWE anymore. Oh wow, big deal. Like gonna miss him, aren't we? Kind of <laughs> like literally none of these making any, you know, any impact on the WWE product as well. I'll give Billy Kay and Peyton yeah, Royce a kind of thought. the iconic Gareth. Come on, they, they were they were they were the ones who I thought for the way that the WWE product is. I thought eh, I'm surprised about that one. That that surprised me because they seem to have a bit of personality. They could talk, you know, you know they could talk on the mic, and you're not going to fucking give them anything in the ring, particularly. But they. But who cares? It's a WWE. You know, they don't have to be fucking good, good in the ring. But I thought there was somebody who at least had a bit of personality. But like, were they pulling up trees? Were they like, were they putting ratings on? No. Was people? Was anybody tuning in to watch the Iconics? Absolutely not. Like, they probably were, but like some of the nonsense. Like, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, like big deal. And then and then you get to Samoa Joe, and I'm like. Well, he hasn't been using him anyway. He's on is is on commentary. He's he's barely wrestled for a year and a half, and like the guy's had a good fucking you know he's had a good living out of the WWE for quite a few years now. He's pretty, you know he's not he's, he's not going to be short of money, and he'll be fine. Is is that is that a decent run? And plus, he's someone where I'm like, okay, well, if he's the, if it's with him, there's an element of he wants to work or he's able to work or he's going to be able to work sporadically or things like that. Well, great. It means that we'll probably get to see Samoa Joe come over here and work for fucking RevPro or we might see Samoa Joe pop up on a on a, an American indie or something like Do that. progress so, in a t-shirt again. So, Remember he did that progress <laughs> show. He didn't even bother taking his t-shirt that. off. <laughs> so so as, as much as like the, the Joe thing, great. I don't want Samoa Joe to be on WWE TV. I want him to be somewhere else where I can actually like 
watch him and enjoy him and like you know fair dues and like yeah i mean boohoo just gone Blake crazy yeah. Dallas, man, in the WWE. stone it? cold gareth <laughs> gareth 316 <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you know like whatever you know people turn around and it's like oh you've got the whole thing like last year when they made those releases it was like oh right we just right at the start of a global pandemic and like that was a bit more galling but to me it was like well you can't just keep people forever you can't you know if they're contributing nothing and adding zero value they can go out there and there's people are working for how many different companies now and the the with you know, with certain talent being sucked into the WWE system at the bottom end, there's opportunities in other areas. There's cards are crying out for people or rosters are crying out for people to be padded onto them. If they've got anything about them, they'll go out and they'll make some fucking money by being good on the indies or they'll get themselves a contract at Impact or they'll get themselves a contract at MLW or on New Japan Strong or at Dynamite or whatever. There's there's a, there's plenty of opportunities out there out there for them to to earn a living and you know it's it's a bit on them for me you know <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know to some degree if you're that fucking good go and go, go and go and earn your crust right. <laughs> well yeah well i mean we made the point in we got on jp on the weekend show that like you know we've got to be careful here because like you're right it is a different scenario than a year ago it, I still, it still doesn't sit perfectly well with me but you know we've got to be careful because you know, where you know, we'll cheer Tony Khan as this great man who kept all these people employed all this year. He's going to be making similar cuts in a couple of months. Some of the people who are going really hard at WWE for this might have to eat some crow when that happens because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason they gave I, want, I want him, I want him to though, as well. Yeah. That's like I, I talked about this the other week. Makes space I don't want people, to, I don't want people sitting on rosters for 10 years. I don't want, mm. I don't want, oh, 15 years of Dolph Ziggler, 15 years of the Miz. Why? Because they just have to be like i want people to contract to be up and it not get renewed and people to have to go and work in different places and learn off other people and develop the character and change the character and get fresh and get new and you know present themselves in a different way and stuff that's how wrestling's always worked that's always been you know we on these on them shows like when we go back to flashbacks and we we do the little like haha bits of nostalgia where it's like oh god can you believe that like you know whatever the million dollar man run is as like a third of the length of fucking baron corbin's run or something like that and we laugh about it and stuff but that was right because like that was the length that the run needed to be and it was they were feeling stale at the end so you know what they did they fucking shipped them out and they put new stars in their place because they had people being filtered up through the through the end and that's how wrestling has always been the best and always been successful so um Sorry if it makes me sound like a heartless <laughs> prick, but you know, it's, you know, it, it's no, it's it to the betterment of a, of a of a roster that there is that turnover for for me. It was it was it was a point that we raised on the weekend show where like it was the idea that we can't complain about these people being under contract forever and at the same time like uh like complaining if they get released. And the circumstances are different in the sense that a lot of these companies are planning on coming back and these wrestlers are television wrestlers for the most part and what there is rather than indies to go to is other television companies so an impact and an nwa and an mlw where like that's going to be like a kind of crucial thing there's only like if you're thinking of the kind of interesting ones i mean samoa joe's the obvious one i think Mm -hmm. we speculated I, i was i I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do some sort of high-profile kind of one-off shots 
like I'm not saying he might do the same thing that Pack did, where Pack went straight off to Dragon Gate because he thought mm. I'm going to return the favor. I wondered whether or not he'd do Noah, whether or not he'd want to do a one-off show for Ring of Honor, just mm. to like kind of do it to kind of test the waters. Ultimately, it depends on whether he's clear to wrestle. Whether like out of that system, is he going to be clear to wrestle? And then if so, like is he going to be up to the rigors? of working a kind of reasonable schedule or is it going to be like Samoa Joe, the kind of special attractions Samoa Joe? And there's a good argument for that as actually being that's the best option given his age rather than having the expectancy he'll be in a G1 or anything like that. If you're thinking of a company that could do with him more than any other, I would argue New Japan yeah. more than any other of these companies. And he fits in and it's a very odd story. And I don't know if it's the idea that he worked some that he worked Noah, but he also worked at the New Japan US, the original US. Yeah, they never took dojo. never took him seriously. Unfortunately, uh, in Japan, he had a he had a he had a terrible took evil <laughs> seriously. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but like I think he was kind of because he was a zero one guy. He was kind of looked looked down upon, and then you know he some of his spots were kind How of that's a thing. Well, some of his spots as well were like tributes to like big Japanese wrestlers and you know the the fans kind of didn't take that it, it was just i mean it should have worked and you know it should it, if there was any justice in the world he would have gotten over it and he would have had a big big japan run but like i'd, I'd take it um like I, joe's a funny one because like for me you know and i'm one of the biggest joe fans of the world like but i've got to you've got to start the conversation with saying it was 15 years ago when he was one of the best wrestlers in the world you know and we see bits of it we see glimpses of it we see it in his promos we see it in the way he carries himself don't get me wrong joe can still work you into thinking he's as good as as he as he ever was and maybe on a reduced schedule you know in promotions doing spots you know we can get that from him but you've got to take that with a pinch of salt you know i, I definitely saw some people acting like you know he could go straight into doing another three one hour you know two one hour draws with cm punk you know and and a third match or he could you know go, come out and like start doing bangers again i don't think we're getting that but I think if you're smart about him, he can absolutely be like a a positive to a company. Like the fact that WWE, you know, gave him his run. You know, I, I do have like some kind of like he got, he got he, similar to AJ. He got his like I said on the on the weekend show. He got his gold watch moments. I'm kind of glad he got his almost legitimizing as somebody you you know you never thought would make it to WWE and did make it there. Unfortunately, you know the the great moments were few and far between. Partly their booking, partly you know him being you know, somewhat injury prone and having these concussion issues that have led them to, you know, to being on the sidelines. But, you know, I think that is a, you know, one thing I would say, they, they absolutely didn't get their money's worth out of him. And, you know, he is someone who really could land anywhere and offer something ROH and TNA, maybe not um, just cause he's done everything you can do in those two companies. But yeah, you know, AW when, you know, in three months, maybe, you know, when, when things are, you know, we get to another new pay-per-view cycle or whatever, I think that could work on a, you know, even if it's not even every week, um, or on like a like a special, like he comes in as a a killer or something, I think he could fit in there perfectly. Um, you know, there's 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 still value in him, even if maybe it's diminishing returns at this point in his career. What if Snoop wants to pay him and CM Punk to do a one-off match on the next big thriller <laughs> show? What if he's a big fan? <laughs> he's doing it. <laughs> see that they'd have the music rights and everything wouldn't they it'd be fucking great 
you know what? I'm back into it now. I'm doing it. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and that's the you know he's not he's not someone he's not going to go to the fucking he's not going to be in GCW or the Indies. We might get you know a, a little Rev Pro show or whatever when he comes over here. We might get you know things like that. But he's he's going to be somewhere like that. He's going to be. Uh, if to be honest, if I'm Tony Khan, and maybe this makes me a hypocrite with all my kicking off about Christian, maybe it is just the fact that I like Samoa Joe and I don't like Christian. But uh, I would probably, despite the fact that I'm a bit bloated, despite the fact that bringing in maybe one too many X WWE names at some point, I'd probably, if it was me, make a make a bit of space for Joe and you know do something with Team Taz or find something to do with him. Um, I think he's the the most obvious of these names. You know, Iconics will end up in Impact. You know, like that's almost guaranteed. Mm. Bo Dallas and Mickey James will end up in in NWA. Um, but I think of the list, if you're going to make an exception and you were you were Tony Khan, I think Joe's the one. I, was, I, mean, I, mean, do, do, I wonder what his appetite's like as well for for for, for wrestling. You know, that is it, true. What, you know, you know. I think this is one of the things that we sometimes like underestimate. We still assume that at this age, that because these guys have been great indie talents that we've loved. You know, going back years and things like that, that that they still want to be doing this, and you know, like you say, is going to is going to made a few bob now. Does he really want to be sitting on a fucking plane, coming, you know, going going over the place now, when he's physically not in the in in, in the shape that he was previously, and like I say, t- taking those bumps, you never know. On the flip side, he might have like a. John Moxley style attitude, where he's like now thinking like, "Fuck, I've got like now I've got a bit of freedom here. I haven't the clock ticking. I haven't got long. I haven't got exactly. You know, he might, he might, you know, and he'd be perfect for something like that, wouldn't he? You know, yeah, imagine true. Moxley versus Joe on Bloodsport or something like that. It'd be absolutely, you know, be it'd be spot on something like something like that. But again, that's just going to boil down to to him as a fella because you know that he could probably just roll into impact or something and get a cushy gig, even, you know, maybe even on commentary or something like that as well, or something he's, he's going to get paid somewhere kind of thing. And I think it, it does just boil down to how much he actually wants to, to work or not. You'd like to think that he's maybe got that element in where he's thinking if he can, cleared to 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 go that he's thinking like all right let's just have two years now and let's just work with some different people who are the you know put on a few good matches in different places there and then maybe try and get myself signed up and get myself a deal that you know gets me paid again for another two or three years on on tv either in a in a role where i'm not working so much or if i'm doing commentary or whatever it might 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 be but I, i still do have that feeling of like oh god it would be good just i think right now especially on the back of the the weekend that we just had, the WrestleMania weekend, where there wasn't a lot out there to, to get excited about. Mm. You know, you see Joe's name on the marquee. Now it's putting bums on seats, isn't it? He? Someone to get excited about. And it's it's a, whether it's a good trip to York Hall or whether it's an iPay-per-view for something in America that, you, that you're going to, you know, buy he's still got that name value and he's still someone that you that you want to see and see in a different setting to what we we have done for the last few years yeah 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 i mean does does any anyone else on the list stand out here as, as someone you you've got any interest in seeing again like callisto maybe mickey if james he re, rebrands himself mickey james yeah mickey james like she could offer something to an aw women's division couldn't she she could or you know yeah a little contract with Impact or ROH, she'll end up somewhere. She'll she'll get a deal. Won't yeah. 
she, she could be like a more high-profile Serena Deeb, really, couldn't oh, she? Nice. She's the sort of someone that you can, she can work, maybe, you know, maybe even across those promotions where, mm. she, you know, she's got more name value, but she's so good and so experienced that working with a lot of these younger girls on AEW, you know, what a what a fucking lesson it would be yeah. for for them working with her on a regular basis. And she's not even that old, yeah. is she? You know that that is a joke. Like the fact that she got she gets treated like she's watched stuff because she's forty-one or something like that. You know, in male wrestling years, that's fucking not you know she should have the last 10 years she should have been like somewhere high high profile doing you know mm. good things because she's been good pretty much throughout her career hasn't she i almost i'm almost yeah. cheering for her to get a good spot somewhere yeah yeah she's she's definitely got something about her i mean one of the things i would like to bring up is is just that the what was the reasoning that was given to them that it was budget cuts mm. as the reason for the releases mm. in the first place, which says a lot about WWE that they would mention it. It's almost like in jest, like they're just deliberately trolling them by men, by by for that as well. But um, I the other and the other thing is the kind of landscape they're going into. You might be able to get that kind of good money in an AEW and even a New Japan. Mm. I think it's when you get into that NWA level. It's like, okay, so the pay is going to be a lot more sketchy and you might need those independent bookings. And I think that's when you get into the kind of bigger problems of the independent scene. And these cards, like, they could do with any, any, um, like, bit of star power. They can just get their hands on for that. Even the Iconics, who I have no interest in whatsoever, and I never have done, like, in their own way, they would add something to shows at the moment which just goes to show what the dire state of a lot of independent wrestling is. So I don't know how I got around onto independent wrestling, but there you are. <laughs> you just love it. After WrestleMania weekend, mate, you're scarred. Everything comes back to it. <laughs> mate, I am scarred by it. Uh, Sit through Edith Surreal and, and fucking tell me you're not a different person afterwards. Uh, as Chris has said there, yeah, WWE claiming budget cuts. It's like uh, yeah, Perez claiming the Super League's to save football. It's, yeah, it's bullshit. We all see through it, don't we? Um but yeah, be, yeah, like I say, uh, I, I think I think you know made jo- jokes about it, but I think I'm with you, Gareth. And like, yeah, it does make it does make wrestling more interesting when this stuff happens, doesn't it? It's not like this is our equivalent to the Monday Night Wars, a Joe getting released. You're not getting, you know, back in the Monday Night Wars where like Kevin Ash and Ray- and Scott Hall's contracts were allowed to expire within a couple of months of each other. And, you know, WCW could jump in or there were guys jumping constantly. The wiser about the contracts and stuff now, aren't they? And, you know, people get signed to longer term deals. This is as exciting as it gets, you know, a bloodletting and hoping that there's someone interesting there that someone can do more with. There's that meme that goes around of like the cruiserweight division in WWE where they're all in sat in a locker room looking sad and it's like Ricochet, Ricochet and Tozawa and all of this world class talent. And Drew it's like, Gulak. Drew, you could literally make a, that put them all in the ring set up a ring and put them on on a show and it'd be better than like any gcw show from mania weekend you know um that's kind of uh in a way it's a double-edged sword you you know you don't want to see people lose their jobs but it makes life a a, you know following wrestling a lot more interesting it links back to the aw number Mm. as well and it's just like well you that's why you need aw to do well because you Mm. just need there to be like a kind of thriving industry Mm. and where the creative juices are flowing where one company looks at another company and says do you know what they're doing something very right at the minute we need to get on board with this and then it forces the change that we've all been crying out for since the 2000s 
<laughs> really, when they've entered into this kind of slumber, forgotten how to make stars in that process, and just stockpile talent to stop other people. I mean, it's like that's their, their entire policy is to stop anyone else getting involved in wrestling. Mm. And anything that kind of shakes that and takes that away from it, says, actually, no, you don't, because there's other stuff going on and it's a lot more exciting and it's a lot more unpredictable, then that's the the best thing for the entire wrestling industry. And then these people would be walking into places mm. and then you'd have that kind of, I mean, the territories gets a lot of grief for a lot of reasons, but one of the benefits of the territories were that like, you never got burnt out. You never, people didn't get bored of you because you're fucked mm. off. You're fucked mm. off to Florida. Then you're fucked off to mid Atlantic and then you're fucked off to the Carolinas and you know, you worked your way around, but you were always in good steady employment and you worked against a different variety of opponents and you got better. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Um, I might as well say it now while we're, we're talking WWE because it kind of ties in. I don't think we're going to spend long on it. The uh, might as well mention the Austin documentary because you reminded me of it there, JP, of like the the different world we're in. Uh, if anyone didn't see it, this was the A A A and E documentary um, that, that was out this weekend. You can find it through Hooky Means. If not, JP, I'll, uh, I'll hook you up. I'm sure. But like, I've seen it. Yet, mate. <laughs> oh, have you even seen it? Oh, no. Oh, it's, it's... I only found out today. I just didn't have time since i got back from work it is dead interesting though like the biggest thing i took away from it was like watching it i mean all of like i'm sure gareth will say you know seeing like you know the the, they have to skate through it but you know telling the story of him you know getting to wcw very early in his career you know the fact that he was you know at one point he's talking about being a veteran he's like an eight-year veteran when he's in wwe that's like you know you mentioned the miz and your dolph sigglers in the world that's like half of their time in wwe never mind and an entire career um but like yeah a lot of that like i was watching it oh god you forget how like young austin was in the business when he got that run in wcw and he got that run in ecw but the reason like it, it links so strongly to this modern wwe to the point where i'm glad they have bloodlettings like this is like you realize how easily they could have missed on on steve austin you know they bring him in as the fucking ringmaster and even as a kid i knew that was dumb as fuck like i was mm-hmm. one of the to be fair when he does he does that initial ringmaster promo and he holds his hand to the screen i did go up and put my hand to it i was i was 11 you know i thought to it I, I don't know why i got involved but i did i distinctly remember doing that that was the highlight of the ringmaster run though and like you know he was nobody and like they actually have Vince McMahon on camera literally saying like oh yeah I just thought he was a waste of my time Steve Austin like and I've been arguing with fucking WWE troll accounts today a little bit like who go oh nobody saw anything in Steve Austin it's like no Paul Heyman did Dave Meltzer did you two did like from talking that WWE paper you know the hardcore fans saw there was something in him but it was like Vince McMahon made that snap judgment about him gave him a bad gimmick and fair enough, in 1996, you know, they they were willing to let him have another go as, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, or although they did want to call him, you know, the famous story, Chili McFreeze or whatever. You know, at least they get, they gave him a go. But he goes out yeah. there, he cuts that King of the Ring promo. And I didn't realize until watching this documentary that not only is that King of the Ring promo the birth of Austin 316, it's also the birth of because Stone Cold said so. Like, and it just made me think, like, today's WWE. Like he'd he'd fail as the ringmaster in NXT, and we'd never see him again. He'd like he'd have like Mr. Anderson's career, like that that would be like the the start and end of it because he wouldn't get that second chance. He wouldn't end up cutting that promo on King of the Ring because he'd be cutting a promo about you know whatever WWE verbiage they wanted to put in front of him. He wouldn't have made an Austin three sixteen crack because it might have offended somebody about Jake the Snake. He wouldn't have gone off the cuff on any of that stuff. 
and the biggest star in wrestling. And I'm not saying Vince is stupid for not recognizing he was going to be the biggest star potentially in wrestling history, but the biggest star in wrestling history could have got written off as ah, not really worth my time. He's just a good worker. Um, like yeah, if if that if that Steve genuinely Steve Austin comes along today, even The Rock maybe. He goes nowhere, and like I, I couldn't help but watch that documentary and just think, what a what a different world it was in 1996. Yeah, I think that's something that came across like massively as well was um, was yeah that element of openness because I mean again it's stories that you've that you've heard before, but when he talks about like that King of the Ring promo and it's literally him just getting that snippet from Michael A's and then just going out and just off the off off the cuff doing that like I mean. Chris Elliott saying here in the chat exactly what I'm thinking there. It would have been a scripted promo. He'd have known what he was going to say because he'd have been sitting having to fucking rehearse it for an hour before the show. So, you'd, you know, some writer would have put some words in his mind, in, in his mouth that they think that Stone Cold Steve Austin, the character, would say. And, you know, you, you certainly wouldn't be coming up with Austin 316 and you wouldn't be coming up with because Stone Cold said so. You'd you'd be getting some fucking Chili McFreeze level lines that um, that would be uh, coming out of his mouth for, for that particular point. Like, so again, that was that was something that was as clear as day. But, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was saying to you before, like, even though, again, a lot of the content, you've heard the stories before and they, you know, they, they blend into what becomes just a story that's repeated all the time and what is actually you know the the reality of, of different situations because because you just hear these stories so so often but it was it's just good to see steve austin in any setting just because of the level of charisma he's got how engaging he is as a person when he's talking you know the passion that he's got for the business and things like that shine through and what i really enjoyed about this was the the early stuff like you like this jp there's a lot of um uswa footage in there they're just like showing just yes, like little is. snippets of in the ring matches and it's it, it's it, they probably devote more although it's only a short amount of time they probably devote a little bit more time to that than i would have expected that there would have been in the documentary as, uh, as as well so so that's quite good i mean you you mentioned obviously benno about his his reputation in wcw and people like spotting him as a star and things like that and that was something that we talked about a few weeks ago on the on the patreon was you know for my mind when he was in wcw i thought people talked of him as if he was going to be the next rick flair and you know i distinctly remember as a kid people used to say stunning steve austin is the next rick flair you used to see it in after magazines you used to hear it on commentary and things all the time so i feel like he was recognized as a clear superstar or future star when he, when he was in WCW. And, and one of the things that this documentary probably highlighted to me was how shit he did look as the, um, as the million dollar champion when he first, when it, when it, when he first came in. Cause like, I remember him signing to WWF at the time I'm watching his first couple of things and been so disappointed. Cause obviously I loved stunning Steve in, in, in WCW and, and just been like, oh God, he's another, he's like, this is like a franchise Shane Douglas turning into Dean Douglas style situation or something like this here where they've just cut the legs off somebody who, and he almost, I don't know, he just, with his hair and just his look, like he put a bit of like body fat on and things like that and stuff. He, he didn't look like the same stunning Steve Austin. So you it was almost like, you can kind of, in, in some ways, I don't know, see with Vince what, what what Vince was thinking there because as somebody who Vince hasn't sat there and watched every, you know, 
probably one second of his WCW run at all. He's just seen like a, a big uh, athletic uh, fella who potentially could add to his roster. Jim Ross has probably been talking about all day. <laughs> like if I'd have been looking at the him when he was the million dollar champion as as mm. like cold, you'd be like. Eh, it was this guy, yeah, he is actually a bit shit and there wasn't anything shining through and he wasn't necessarily working with what had been given to him at, the, at, the, at that point. I mean, not that it was much, but, you know, so, yeah, you can't, I don't know, you can't blame, I don't, I don't think you can blame Vince that much because I, I, I almost forgot how bad he looked in this in this role. But, yeah, obviously, obviously clearly once, they'd, uh, once mm. they'd opened that door for him to take on the Stone Cold gimmick and, and run with that. That's just great nostalgia, just seeing a lot of that stuff. And it, I was just sitting there watching that documentary today thinking like, oh, I really need to just start putting like old Raws on from that time period when I'm just sire at work and just having them on in the background because when you just hear that glass shatter and Austin's mm-hmm. music and the crowd go fucking nuts and things like, y- you forget how mental it was, how fucking huge it was and the crowds were just so into him and like what a fucking megastar he was like yeah. you know god he, you know you ain't ain't seeing that for a while i think that was one of the things that jumped out on this documentary though was because that kevin owens oh, comment oh, 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 what a geek <laughs> yeah honest <laughs> to god they uh oh, we, we never we're, all those superstars get compared to him so obviously yeah we're, we're, we're never going to be quite as good or whatever he's it's like oh you fucking mark like he yeah, just sounded like the biggest loser didn't he like oh, oh. it was 20 yes, fucking five years ago mate yeah yeah <laughs> he literally had a stunning whatever t-shirt on like clearly in tribute to his i like kevin owens as well but that sums up this yeah. generation doesn't it of like yeah we're, we could we're still in the shadow of 25 years ago yeah you are and austin was an all-timer but that's not the entire reason you know you, you've never broken out to to even a a, a a level anywhere near it um it's that too um on that vince thing i'm still not letting vince off the hook i feel like if i'm vince mcmahon I watch other wrestling TV. I think that's the solution to that problem. You know, you watch his problem from elsewhere. You know, you don't just watch superstars. Uh, that's always been Vince's problem, though, hasn't it? He, he doesn't watch anyone. He doesn't know what's going on in the world of wrestling. He didn't know what Japan was when when Jericho went out there. Um, but no, I shared the same love as you for that for that stuff. Like, yes, when they got to like the Zamboni and the Attitude Era stuff, I, I was starting to zone out, and I'd I'd recommended it to you two. And I, at that point, I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I should have waited to see how this went. But they pull it back. Because you know, like you said, all the real life stuff's really good. Reminded the fact that he's, you know, his daughters live in England. I'd forgotten about that. I remember Joe bringing that up on a on a podcast before. I think he was not in a creepy way trying to track them down at one point, or just just to see where they lived. Like where does where does Steve Austin come to visit when he comes to the? Never, never, it never yeah. sounds good though, does it? It doesn't. It does. Like <laughs> but you know, where does he come? You know, he's got this uh, this connection to the UK. It's uh, it's quite interesting. Mm. But yeah, just see him as a as a real person, and just you know, seeing a little bit of like clips of like you say going around doing the talk show circuit and being that big star and even having the rock there as well you know for a fluff piece on a a and e that even even that was you know rock talking about oh you know austin took him under his wing a little bit and you know gave him a little bit of advice that helped him get over and you never know how much to take seriously when it's the rock you know he's a quite a a lovely individual these days he's he's still uh he's still planning on being president so he's never going to say anything particularly controversial but (laughs) even that i thought was nice as well and yeah i'd recommend the jp it's just a fun little yeah. You know, hour and a half or however long it is might not even be that long. Um just, just to one. sounds like yeah. an easy watch. Mm, yeah. 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 It is good. Which stuff. I'm more than happy happy to go along with. We had him at USWA. 
Like, we, we were there. Like, that was always one of the great things about Austin breaking through is there would have been a few of us. And Gareth, you're very much in that camp. It's like, I saw this boy fucking early doors. <laughs> and I was in on it on the ground floor. <laughs> Definitely. Like Andy Ogden and Kato Starr probably when I saw him after like one race. Yep. He's going to fucking tear it up. Uh, back in this lad for life <laughs> um, one last big subject that we're going to touch on mm. I'm sure we'll come back to it in, in future weeks as well um, just because BWE came out on Thursday and you know the the lads uh, Will and Martin did an incredible job um, on there covering the the APPG and you know just to maybe follow up that just to get a, a little bit of, of you guys thoughts and you know obviously I, I missed that show and it's probably the best one we've done all year so that tells you everything um, but, <laughs> <laughs> actually no I think the one we did with a uh, guy Michael Petter was the uh, the best show all year for BWE, but it, it was up there. Will did a cracking job, um, but yeah, the APPG dropped like the report dropped during WrestleMania mm. season, which at the time I thought was fucking dumb. You know, you're dropping in the busiest wrestling weekend uh, of the of the year on that Thursday night, um, or the early hours. Um, so I don't think that was wise anyway. And we never really got a chance to talk about it, did we, JP? Um, we kind of brought it up no. a couple of times during some of our streams, but um, I don't know. Did you have any, any thoughts? Did you listen to BWE? I thought, um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, Alex Davis and it came across well, and I thought the, you know, overall, I think... Yeah, it's something that I feel relatively positive about. If, if maybe, if not, you know, hopeful. <laughs> I don't know if that's the that's the, the that's the, that's how I've came out of. Uh, re- have you read the entire report? You strike me as somebody who will have JP. I I read it and then you know kind of wished I'd just read the summary because it is a fucking long document and we're not here to summarize it for you. Will's going to do that in his newsletter. You can all look forward to that. But uh, I don't know if you had any uh, impressions you wanted to mention about it, JP. I did. I mean, there are things about this that are, like, for me, I found absolutely fascinating. Now, before we get started, I'm not going to be able to kind of recite a 103-page PDF, uh, all of that that I read today. But there was just a few things from it, and and I would highly recommend um, listening to BWE, uh, listening to Will's interview with Alex Davies-Jones as well, who has been, I have to say, like, really great over this, and as someone who's really been out there and, and, like, trying to do a lot certainly kind of behind the scenes which is which is always good to see that there is uh, an mp who's completely on board with this and happy to speak about it as well um but will's piece and the piece he's going to be writing up but the thing i took from it was kind of like you that it was overall it's positive but i think the really key point is that this is the starting point yeah so really what i looked at this as is this is like a lot of it felt like this is the lay of the land these are this is the first time that we've ever looked at british wrestling in a way in a kind of cold light of day, what is the situation? How is it run down to the mechanics and not getting lost in the kind of spectacle of what it is, but just looking at this as if you were just looking at like you were tr- trying to troubleshoot like a kind of a large company and pick up what all the, all of the major issues are. There are things that I don't agree with, but that also ties into the fact that they spoke to a lot of people, which mm-hmm. was important. Now that's obviously going to include people who aren't well liked, but unfortunately, this is part of the process. Now, I brought up something, I mean, at the time of speaking out, actually, one of the things, the problems was of it is, is the kind of lack of conversation that you needed, the truth and reconciliation style commission for people to come out and sort of effectively say everything and kind of get it all off the chest so there's a chance of being able to move forward. Um, in this is kind of feels similar to that, where they kind of lay out all the problems. And by fuck, is there a lot of problems? Yeah what you really realize is how immature wrestling generally is 
like the most basic of things around health and safety are 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 like are not even around there as well and there are lots of things there where i think there's you've got the disagreement of like the stakeholders in wrestling between the wrestlers the promoters the fans there is like a real disconnect that's there and there's a lot of like and and that's you know it's not really surprising at this point um but this like the things from this is that you're expecting there to be a concrete outcome there isn't what there is is a series of very good sensible suggestions a lot of it hinges on the fact of where do you like what what is the regulatory body for this and it's very hard to see there being one and it's hard enough seeing one because is there enough money in these companies to be able to do it because it feels to me that the kind of system that needs to be in place is like interconnected companies very very regional out of the territories but a lot fewer companies so your small indies are going to struggle to cover the kind of mandatory health and safety checks and paying for training to do with um, safeguarding and various other things that they go into as well there's question marks about the rings and the conditions of the rings and there's no set standard of ring that's there and that's like the kind of very obvious stuff because wrestling's been so very fly by night i did i found it interesting you didn't mention about wrestlers pay and I've always thought, well, one of the things about the legitimacy of it is how much of them are paid cash in hand. Something I joke about a lot. But really, in all seriousness, it comes down to that level of professionalism and, and whether that's there. And what you realise is that professional wrestling in this country hasn't been professional, really, with a few kind of exceptions on there as well. But where this, the idea of cleaning all of this up, I took away from it, is, is that you create a product by like making it kind of viable and sustainable and credible that's where you get your sponsors in that's where you kind of make your money and then you're not worried you're worried less about this idea of you know you take away the sleaze factor frankly and you're worried less than about um uh like the the small margins on how many tickets you're selling and everything else because you've got these other forms of income because they look at wrestling as a good place to invest and it's got a good audience and there's a good ethos and things like that they're the things you kind of have to turn around and that's where you're going to be really met about with the kind of hostility um i found this sorry i'm 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 just rambling on here because i've got other points i just want to raised about it as well there was things about the merch table culture where the idea and it was one of the things that um i think it was accredited i want to say to claire ward and dr claire ward at loughborough university runs uh, helps uh, run wrestling resurgence is there's an idea about fans feeling they've got this ownership of the performer and their body and things like that and i i've always find that kind of stuff interesting that kind of academic look at it as well but whereas in japan social media contact between wrestlers and fans is kind of very highly restricted it's like no you can't be dming people and stuff like that and you don't have social media if you're not trained professional wrestler as well you, you have a certain level of experience those are things to take from it as well um trainees aren't covered by equity which is something i found that was interesting on there there's the split of training of the training as sport but the entertainment as uh sorry the the actual events as entertainment you've got that split in there as well the talent that signed to us contracts they're paid in dollars but weirdly uk employment law still applies so i wondered then what about the independent contractor stuff but that i might be getting that wrong yeah, I've read this once. I've not fucking like studied it in great detail. It would have also worked out that a lot of wrestlers, because of the hours they're doing, building the rings, everything else, they're working well below the minimum wage. Those people who are 
that's an enormous problem because you can't have that as well. But then it means you have, need to raise the prices, which I think is the other thing there as well. Um, yeah, there are like there every area is at a really low ebb. You don't mm-hmm. come away like it can, but at least the conversation is happening about solutions and things to do. And I appreciate that a lot of people brought in a lot of stuff. One last comment, the social media chucking in Hannah Kimura, fuck off. Like really that like social media can be hostile. Yes. And I, under I get that. And a lot of people don't use it, but the Hannah Kimura thing is just this straw man argument because it's related to an entirely different event and an oh, entirely yeah. different set of fans. So I, I find it being raised as like, as a really cheap shot, which either shows that you're very uninformed about it or you're willing just to use her death as just an easy way of, of, of kind of when you're being held culpable. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's one of my major takeaways from it. Cause like, Overall, I think it does a good job of laying out, you know, generally what happened, you know, during speaking out. It does a good job at laying out, you know, the difficulties and the fact that there are, you know, they can't even estimate, you know, the number of promotions in the country. And then, you know, the problems that come with that, you know, uh, a well-documented wrestling in this country is a wild west because there just hasn't ever been, you know, and this isn't a regulatory body, but there's never been a regulatory body. Therefore, you know, I can, I can grab you two and some of my mates and, and start a wrestling company tomorrow uh, and run shows. And as long as there's a venue willing to take my money, that can happen. Um, and, you know, that is a very small example of the problems that the reason wrestling in this country, you know, got into the, the state it was in, you know, and it would only, you know, I can say, for example, from, you know, wrestling companies in the UK that I work with where, like, you know, it wasn't, I'm not saying who, but I'm sure you can guess, it wasn't taken particularly seriously, you know, things about, like, you know, uh, insurance for, you know, fans at, at ringside and, you know, insurance for individual wrestlers until, you know, there were incidents or until another company threatened to call a council on them or, you know, and that's not just them, you know, that's that's across the board. Like, a, a lot of, like, corners have been cut for years and years um in the uk because it is such a such a wild west and i think my, my heart goes out really to anyone trying to put things right you know you said yourself jp this is this is just a report this is you know been put together by people who aren't getting paid to do this this has been put together you know with no you know designs on being you know immediately setting up a, a british wrestling council or something like that in the in the vein of alex shane in the past or whatever these are just observations of the state of play and suggestions and reasonable suggestions i think on on things that that, that can be done to to improve things you know and recommending really that wrestling itself gets its house in order and attempts to police itself which you know might well have mixed results but that is a negative you know as you pointed out there that unfortunately i did think reading this that uh and i've saw andy quilden say it as well you know it probably needed another draft because i feel like things got into the report that you shouldn't have got there like uh, the hannah kimura stuff um the out the, the talk outright of you know trial by social media i mean what is speaking out if, if if it wasn't in some instances that i know you can put a very negative spin on that but i think it was a important part of, of speaking out and it's been an important part of holding 
you know these promotions to account and it felt like some of the words you were reading it reminded me of the words that you would imagine you know some notable brit res promoters might use even down to you know as will has said that that kamikaze pro spot where um what's the uh the young girl called chantel jordan, chantel jordan yeah who got piled drive by joey janella and like i've seen that clip it was safe as houses and it was put in the report as like this proof of like the danger of of wrestling and it was like mm-hmm. i mean that just feels like another promoter with an axe to grind it's not an idea situation don't get me wrong but like i don't know if it was worthy of of, of going in this report um yeah they were kind of you're right that is a bit of a negative to me that like there were some things like that made it in but at the same time and you've always said this gareth you know even when we were rallying on like the trust wrestlings of the world it, it, you're, gone, you're not going to get perfection. They, they have to listen to everybody. People got wound up that they were speaking to, you know, promote... I'm not even going to name the names because, you know, some disgusting individuals who are still restaurant promoters in this country were consulted for this report because they've got to consult all, all stakeholders. And, you know, you see the negatives of that some, in, in bits of the report and bits where you think, ah, oh, maybe you should have seen through that. But that is kind of what this is. This is taking... This is a first step in taking into account... You know, all sides, even the sides we don't like. Uh, and there's even bits in here about, you know, people who've been accused of things and what, what the right way is to, to deal with them and their rights and such that, you know, none of us like to talk about or think about. But I think you've got to do that when you you put a report like this together. And yeah, I think it overall, I think it, it's a good and it's you know, a joke about, you know, the length of time it took me to read this thing or at least, you know, get the, the main points out of it. But if, I think it is worthwhile. And at, at the very least, I think promoters and stakeholders in this country should be should be giving it a read themselves. Yeah, and, I'm, and I mean, like, I, I only personally want to, like, briefly comment on it because, like, I'd rather, you know, I haven't read the the, the full document. You know, I've taken the, mm. the, the summary pieces from it and things. I've, you know, I haven't taken the time as yet to sit to, to sit and read absolutely everything so you know i don't want to be a hypocrite and um you, you know co- like comment on it almost you know when you haven't read the the the, the full details of, of things but from you know what i what, what i have taken out of it I, th- I think the big things for me are sort of like the so what factor which you know in my day job the line of work is you know when you working with reports you're working with information piecing things together it's almost like the next steps and it's like the action orientation on that that comes out of it it's all well and good having this lay of the land and summarizing here's some recommendations or here's some you know here's some things that work here's some things that don't work and things like that but like what are the next stepping stones in place that's actually going to make something happen on the big of it on the on the back of this? Who's going to do it? Who's going to fund it? Who's going to who who who's the right people? And 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 that feels to me as 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 positive as this piece feels. I don't feel like there's a clear path for me observing this as okay. Well on the back of this you know where's that where's that where's that change coming from and who's how's this going to be how's this going to be led and you know how's how's all how's these different things going to be implemented you know and i i think i think that was one of the things that stood out for me i think another thing that stood out for me was the was almost that um there's almost that butting of heads of things that wrestling needs to do which are going to cost money from things like an insurance standpoint and a minimum wage standpoint and you know bits bits and bobs like that versus 
these promotions been able to make sufficient money to enable to put those things in place you know and basically there's that element for me where you're looking at you just like this just isn't financially viable if you know it's a struggle for these promotions to make any money as it is and then with the, the cost involved with some of these other things that they need to put in place to be you know operating as responsibly as they they, they should be you basically turn around and say, "Well, now you just every show is just going to be in the in the red, basically." You know, and then it. Kid like us as wage. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and then and then so then it strips it right back, and you think, "Well, there's two sides of the coin here." In one, then okay, should there be less promotions running, and with less promotions running. You've got more professionalism because the promotions that do what run are the ones that who can, at the very least, afford to break even and put shows on that they're, you know, they're they're not losing money hand over fist. Or by trying to then put that regulation in place where you get people to sign up to certain certain things, do you then just open the wild west even more by the ones who go like, oh, you know fuck it, this is a bit of a closed shop almost because we can't afford to adhere to these um, the, these elements that we need to run in place. So we're, so, so we're not going to sign up to that and we're just going to run, you, you know, in the in the backwaters almost. And, yeah, people, as wrestlers are still going to want to work for them and things because it's their booking and it's getting on a show and it's getting experience. And if oh, it's yeah. some show in front of 100 people in a small town and it's flying under the radar, like, you know, like, it's 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 not been monitored and people are going to you know think that think very differently of that and and i think one of the points of related to that that like really hammered home for me it was was just thinking of it a bit different was the um was obviously they had on bwe they had the the, the child abuse um litigator alan collins on there and, mm-hmm. and he just made some great great points around the insurance side of things that again you know i you know i haven't considered i'm sure the you know the vast majority of people who listen to that you know probably hadn't considered as as well and that all comes from having a professional eye from somebody who's used to dealing with these kind of situations on a regular basis and seeing the potential financial implications of people you know not been appropriately insured and things for when certain incidents may or may not happen and then the the impact that that that's going to have on the individual or their business and this then opens this door to this what we've talked about in the past about having people put in positions of responsibility that they're not qualified to be doing they're doing it because they're a friend of the promoter or it's something that they want to put their hand up and say that they're prepared to do because they want to be involved in running the show and they want to be on the inside and things um things like that and it's that lack of professionalism again that we've that we've highlighted previously that there's elements like this that are just that they're just the unknowns unless you're a specialist and an expert on these type uh, on these type of things and then to get appropriate consultation or appropriate people with appropriate qualifications or employment to be handling these aspects again that's just more money that you're that then as a promotion are having to pay out in order to operate at a safe and responsible not just um um level for the for the workers but as a business as well and again it it just i don't know it just raises questions in your mind that you know how, how much the numbers don't 
seem to stack up and the you know the 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 need for more professionalism but the the industry as a whole doesn't seem to be able to 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 support that and I think they were some. They were some of the big things that like really, really jumped out for me, and and that's where you then look at those next steps and you think, well, how is this, like, how is this even going to happen? Like, how how can this be change be put in place? It's great that those questions are being asked. It's just okay. Well, well, who's going to do it? Who's 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 going to push this forward and get get to this direction? Because you can quite easily be turning around and possibly doing the same review in three years, four years, and. 99% of these issues are still going to be the same. Well, like, like the thing is, what you lose then is what slips through the cracks is then the people who can't afford it don't, you know, even this pledge they've got here, like they don't sign up to that. Like I saw, like, you know, a real, like, you talk about like companies that like, um, are, are there and they're and they're they're saying all the right things and they do all the right things. Um, what's called the islands in in Birkenhead, they wrestle island, they they're not signing up to the pledge because they, you know, they've given their reasons on Twitter about they don't feel like they, you know, I think it was to do, it's, I don't want to say it's wrestling politics, but, you know, they weren't happy with like, you know, the promotions that were listened to here and they were, you know, they had their own more concerns than that as well, you know, and they, and I think Pete put them the mouth on Twitter, but, you know, it, it, it didn't, some of it didn't sit right with him and therefore he's not signing it. And like, that's someone with, great intentions saying i don't want any of this so i as soon as i saw that tweet i was like yeah my and then you've got the like you say the shit all companies who just you know aren't going to sign up because they're running you know fucking you know the melon and bootle and there's 20 people there you know what i mean and like you what, what who's going to stop them running a show you know and then and then you've got the people who just yeah they might want to but they can't afford to because they can't like you know a, a lot of the things in this reporter you know even down to the thing of having basic dbs checks you know uh you know I, I won't rally about dbs checks again or having enhanced dbs checks for you know for training schools you know important point in this is that that i did like is you know, treating training schools as um sport and treating mm. the, the actual shows mm-hmm. as performance um as far as regulation goes but yeah that that regulation might not sit right with you know certain promotions and you just start to lose more and more people to the point where it's like okay well who actually is getting involved in this and i think you might end up with like a cast system really of like regulated brit res if we this you know if a regulatory regulatory body does come of this you know some kind of professional association as a as will as put it and you'll get that one like brit res industry and then you get the other brit res industry that's sitting below it where yeah for all these manner of reasons people just aren't engaging um i don't know if there's a even a way around that jp yeah it's very difficult to tell that and i think that's one of the things from it like as as the starting point it's like well where do you go from here and, and gareth's kind of like really put forward like the, the case of the issues of what happened from here and there is and you realize this the utter there's no infrastructure at all for this as well it's just like a group of people effectively gonna have to come together who for a long time like british wrestlings have been about the most pettiest of feuds and squabbles hasn't it and now all of a sudden they all have to get on for like a kind of very serious event. And I don't have faith. A lot of those people are capable of those kind of, that kind of decision-making. And, you know, there's a few of them. I, I would kind of say, okay, I, tr- I would expect that person to be able to do it properly, but it's a very difficult state of affairs. The economics of British wrestling is something that's absolutely 
like kind of fascinating as well and it, it just comes down to how how do you make it work yeah um it's i'd say it's definitely worth a read if you're interested in british wrestling and you just want somebody just to lay out the this is what british wrestling is this is why we're looking at it and these are all the areas that need to be looked at it's brilliant for it and there are links to kind of resources and and, and the rest of it which I, I i think are kind of good things it's where it goes from there and like my fears of the kind of regulated like a regulator is only as strong as the kind of power that people put into it if you look at the regulatory system within newspapers newspapers governs itself so guess what when things like the news of the world hacking scandal nothing really comes of it because they never punish themselves are you going to end up in that kind of a situation so it's like what is the regulate what powers do the re- does the regulatory body have and then you're into really unknown territory with all of this and you can't say how it would work or whether or not it's a good idea because it would be completely new i think we're all pretty much agreed well we're all agreed i'd like to think so is we can't just close our eyes and pretend it's the good old days and pretend that none of the stuff has happened because the genie's out of the bottle and it has to be sorted out and it, it's about british wrestling getting its house in order and it's going to be a messy messy ride and it's not anyone who thinks it's going to be plain sailing. You are like woefully mistaken. But we have at least some degree of a starting point, which is more than what British wrestling has had or deserves. <laughs> to be honest, or deserves, or <laughs> yeah. deserves. Yeah, I, I listened to that BWA, and I was like, I mean, you know, politics aside, and I'm sure I wouldn't agree with a lot of the people involved with this politically on other matters. Like, I was like, the fact that people are taking the time out to do this, this fucking godforsaken industry that we've all unfortunately become a part of, doesn't even deserve this amount of love and attention um, that these well-intentioned people are giving it. So, you know, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Completely, you know, pretty much everything you said there, Gareth, I absolutely agree with. I've got my own misgivings about it. But overall, I'm with you, JP. You know, it is, you know, it's a start. It's a positive. Yeah. I'm pessimistic, but I'm always pessimistic when it's Brit Res. Yeah. Um, but I'm thankful that there are people out there who are willing to put this work in and, yeah, you know, make an attempt of it. So I think that's uh, that's got to be said. That pessimism is well earned. Yeah, yeah, there is that. Um. Anything else on that? Or, a, uh, a pessimist is never disappointed. That's the way to look at it. Indeed. Um, yeah, anything else on that or anything else? Anything else we need to cover? JP, you've got a big slow of uh, Japanese and Australian wrestling to talk us about and then uh, your MLW report. So, you know, that's uh, got another hour to go on this podcast, I assume. No, I think none of those things. <laughs> um, not even Alex Hammerstone versus Milne Wertes. I, I haven't got that. I haven't even got round to that. For shame. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, it was a part of me after the amount of wrestling I'd watched over WrestleMania week that needed some kind of a break. So I'm kind of glad we've had an episode like this where we haven't had to go into like kind of tons and tons of details because it's actually been like it's something that we very ever, ever rarely get to do. But no, Champions Carnival. I'll be catching up on. I know there's a Stardom Cinderella tournament on as well, so I'll probably pick and choose maybe some of the good matches from that. Um, Noah have a show on mm-hmm. uh, soon enough with um, Kitamiya. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Kiyomiya, isn't it? Kiyomiya versus... Uh, no, Kitamiya. I forget. Potato. The two lads. One's fucking Kit- massive with the Moa. Yeah, yeah. Kitamiya against Mura. It is Kitamiya. Yeah, versus yeah. Mura. 
versus who's, who's Kobashi oh, wrestling? Oh, by the way, Kano's got COVID nineteen. <laughs> who's Kobashi wrestling? Here we fucking go. Mojo Raleigh. <laughs> he might be. There you go. Hey, he's big lads who might do well in Japan. You know, slot him into early nineties. It might have worked. <laughs> I'm going like clapping passionately when Tucker and Wesley Blake comes out. <laughs> Oh, that's the future, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like Bill Buchanan when he was in All Japan for a while. <laughs> in that stable, stable with D'Lo and uh, who else was in it? it was a uh, oh, it was like it was like a bunch of ex WWE Scorpio? guys. Scorpio, yeah. Was was Albert in it as well? Uh, Rico, maybe? yeah, yeah. That was the <laughs> him and Bill Buchanan were like the team, weren't they? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I used to see pictures of them in Powerslam and be like, "That's a fucking weird stable." Um, <laughs> maybe we're gonna return to those days. Yeah, but no, you're not seeing anything else then, JP. Nothing. No, no, no. I'm going to save it. I'll I'll save it all for next week on that one. We we had newsworthy stuff to go into. We did. But and it was and... easier on myself to tell you the truth. And you know, <laughs> I'm sheer laziness. But once I finish Chernobyl rewatch of Chernobyl with the boys, don't worry, I'll be I'll be back on it then. You've got 90 minutes to go, mate, before that big MLW announcement. So you know, we've got to get you to bed for uh, the big news update in the morning. So uh, <laughs> you probably should go uh, <laughs> straight to the plugs. I think if the big yeah, if the big announcement is Court Bauer is in talks with a service to distribute MLW <laughs> even more, they will remain with being Sports and DAZN. Uh, then I'm not interested. God bless him, though. Like, <laughs> I, let him do it. It's going to be like Destination America. Oh yeah. <laughs> They probably signed. They probably signed the Iron Sheik. You know, fitting nicely <laughs> with their storyline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Unless Court Bauer announces the return of Bauer and Pollock or the MLW podcast, I don't think yeah. he's going to grab. Tucker fights of ISIS. You know. <laughs> that's a, that's a landing spot for a good number of those names. I got to be honest. Um, <laughs> Country you. Yeah, yeah. Or just MLW in general. Filthy Tom could there. <laughs> Put them in as gang. Um, I have an ice training camp in in, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, <laughs> uh, they got one mate. It's in Enfield. Uh, but anywho, <laughs> on that note, any plugs, anyone? Uh, Gareth, anything you want to mention? Same as always. Download the Grapple app. That's it. Follow us on Twitter at Grapple app. <laughs> Good lad. JP, Jordan Sweet. <laughs> um, grapple.com forward slash Patreon. Uh, onto there. There you go. It's not patreon.com forward slash grapple. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. What yeah. have I said? <laughs> Patreon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In my defense, you broke Patreon.com forward slash grapple. Otherwise, <laughs> I would have corrected you. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I do that bit. Um, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard A, JP at JP, JP, Gareth at Grapple Gareth. And yeah, we'll uh, back later in the week on the Patreon with, uh, I was going to say Lucha Underground Review then. It's just because of the t shirt JP's wearing our, uh, <laughs> oh, what's it called? The MTV show. Fucking. It's late. Wrestling Society there it is. X. Wrestling Society X. We're all tired. Wrestling Society X. We'll be doing that. News updates. Weekend preview. We'll be around. We'll be around. We'll be, we'll be doing stuff. If it's, a, if it's a day that ends in Y, there'll be a podcast and JP's voice will be on it. So, yeah, check yes. all, of the, all of that stuff out. And, yeah, we'll be back uh, next Monday with Spotlight Proper. We'll see you all then, everyone. Bye. See ya. To make a dream survive, to come a storm inside.
This week on Patreon. The one-liners on this are quite poor. I would, I would argue. You think I think Oh, oh. <laughs> um, he had to split for Buzzsaw. Come on, amazing. <laughs> I think that's... Hey, Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> I think only Arnie can pull them off, though. That's the thing, isn't it? Like he's got like, there's something about Arnie that that makes this material work. Like that was yes. one of the big notes I kind of had about you know watching this film again. Is like what a what a weird thing it is that Arnold Schwarzenegger, they just got this bodybuilder and made him like an action like star and he be- like became like this same thing with like Jean-Claude Van Damme you know they just pull these guys in and go you're gonna make movies now um it doesn't really happen anymore does it but like what a fucking what a natural he is because like he can't act at all he's he can barely you know his English isn't great but he's just got something about him, hasn't he? It's that charisma. It's that intangible. He's like, you just Hogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he, nice he pulls Hogan. Those, he pulls those lines off. I think that that would be my take. Sorry, Gareth. Yeah, it's it's funny because I put this on in bed last night, and like Sarah was saying, "Oh yeah, I might watch it with you." I've never seen it, and then she was sort of like lying there with her eyes shut at the start, and then like Arnie's just doing that first scene in the in the helicopter, and like she wasn't even looking at the screen. She was just like. This is so bad. The acting is awful. And like she wasn't even just like looking Aww. at the screen. She's just like she's just like listening to Arnie talking kind of thing. And I was just like, oh, and then she was asleep within about two minutes or something. <laughs> that clearly clearly didn't uh, clearly clearly didn't drag her in. But oh I mean to to, to me that's again when I like talk previously about, you know, there's the stuff that, that's corny and cheesy and things like that. But you're just waiting for them and it was just the same. I think every Arnie film you watched in that generation, you were just waiting for those one liners. So you know, like mm. You know, is where he's like, you know, like you say that he had to split thing there, or if you know, Sub Zero when he's just wrapped the wire around his neck and he's like, he was a real pain in the neck, and the, you know, and they're just like <laughs> terrible, you know, like terrible but great kind of thing. Or you he's know, a sociopath. Like, like what is, what is it? Buzzsaws like, um, <laughs> yes, like I, I love my chainsaw. This chainsaw's a part of me, and I'm gonna make it part of you. And then like, Arnie turns it on him and like uses it on him, and he's like. That's all right. Keep it, and then like it's just like it's just like ter- you know terrible but great kind of thing. And equal equal footing, you know, anything anything like that. that. That's what you're there for with Arnie. I mean, Arnie's doing a bit of a carry job on the film, isn't he? At points with this, whereas he's not doing that in Predator. Like he's ably supported by a fucking. We'll I'll mention this in a bit, but yeah, by a by a great cast around him. This is a weird cast this one because like i said maria conchita alonso has gone on and done quite serious stuff yafit koto who plays his is mate do you any do you remember him from alien i remember from alien yeah definitely and live and let die yeah 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 Yeah. i think with alien i always think because it's like the when he dies it's like when you just see the alien's face right up close like like and you really get the detail on the alien's face link for the, the first time and that's like you know first time you see alien there you're just like fuck kind of thing and then he gets smashed in the face with the uh with the whatever the what, what would you call it like the second mouth thing or whatever it is you know that the, the alien has like like oh it's a it's a great uh great death that one uh, but yeah is is I, I think he does a does a good uh Good enough, solid job in this as a, yeah. uh, as, as, a as a supporting character here. But yeah, he's a, definitely is is one of them guys that you just see his face there, and I just think like I think of Alien, I think of Running Man, you know, I think Live and Let Die is just again he's a he's a bit of a happy memories actor um, for for me. And he, he died this year, didn't he? Did he, he relatively did. recently? Yeah, he did. I want to say it was in Homicide. 
not the not Ring of Honor. <laughs> Life <laughs> of the Street. He, he, that's it. I, th- I want to say he was in that. He had like that kind of elder statesman role at that point. M- Mick Fleetwood, as well, <laughs> the Fleetwood Mac. Uh, no, he isn't. Mick Fleetwood is Mick, the le- leader of the. Oh, M-I-C. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. He um like which, I mean, he's awful. It's so that? bizarre. <laughs> it's just the weirdest bit of casting on the whole front. To be honest, like I think the film seems to get away with it, but like. They don't give you a, a, a lot of time to it. Like, you know, I said about watching this as a kid and jumping in, and my dad explaining the plot to me. I don't think I miss much because the film doesn't give you much time to invest in these characters or their relationships <sighs> at the start. It gets away with it, don't get me wrong. Because in a way, I kind of appreciate that about it. You don't get, like, you know, 20 minutes explaining who Arnie is. Who, well, we haven't said that yet, who Ben Richards, uh, my, uh, who, uh, who yeah, stole yeah. my wrestling name. <laughs> I, honestly, when I call myself Benson Richards, I really didn't base it on Ben Richards. He's been coming out Happy in that fucking one piece that he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing, that should have been your wrestling gear. You could, you, you, could, you could have been like the butcher of Bicker Staff or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I only made the connection after I'd stopped wrestling. I think Cole said it to me one day. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's his, his character's name in the film. I'd just forgotten. But um, you don't get to know Ben Richards. Like, really, like, you, the film starts. Like, you're in the in the chopper, for lack of a better word. And, like, you know, he's 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 the one with the morals. He doesn't want to... But you don't really know why he's doing that or what his background... Most of the films would have given you 20 minutes of, like, getting to know him first. And then by the time he's the running man, it's, like, 18 months later. And, like, yeah. 18 months' time with, like, you know, his new friends, like you say, the, the hacker and, you know... Uh, what was the guy you just mentioned before? Um, Yafit Koto. Him, yeah. And, you know, that their bond and relationship doesn't ever really get established. You just nah. throw... Because it's not the important stuff, I suppose. It's an action film, is it? And I would say to its strength, maybe the strength of the performances, not that they're, like, Oscar-worthy or anything, you do still buy into it, I think. You still buy into the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, they're, they're in there for each other and that, that you know, that Arnie doesn't want to let them... Um, you know, go go into the Runner Man game without him, and then you know he's betrayed, and then they they join him, and then you know he spends his unfortunately time trying to save these hapless losers while he's in there, and you do still buy into it. But yeah, it's interesting that like the, the film doesn't give you that. I mean, I suppose that probably would have added an extra 20, 30 minutes to the runtime, but you know, it's just it's a way we go, isn't it? Want to show off your patriotism and love for firearms? You need to check out Goat Guns. Our authentic die-cast miniature gun replicas are a great way to celebrate your rights while adding a unique and high-quality item to your collection. They are fun to build and make a great display addition to your office, man cave, or anywhere you want to show off your collection. Start your collection today at GoatGuns.com. 